If you didn't know it until now, you are the Common Sense Nation. And this is Radio Free Almond. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. In the evening breeze, listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you, please, don't fence me in. Don't fence me in. Just turn me loose, let me straddle my own saddle underneath the western skies. On my guys, let me wander over yonder till I see the mountains rise. I want to ride to the Good, 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 good morning, good morning, this morning, good Wednesday morning to you all. Turn on my little thing here. It's perfectly okay. There we go. Hey, hello. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning to you. Hello, good morning to all of you. Hello, testing, one, two, three, testing, one, two, three, testing. Testing, testing. testing. Congressman with an eye patch. The DC is filled with politicians, lobbyists, and lawyers. That's why we need Dan Crenshaw, a retired Navy SEAL. Crenshaw lost his eye fighting for us in Afghanistan, refused to quit, and went on to deploy twice more. That's Texas tough. Texan, conservative, patriot, outsider. Crenshaw is running to ensure our conservative values carry on to the next generation. We need Crenshaw. With Honor Fund Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. That's awesome. The guy's got an eye patch that has the, uh, the, the Texas colors in it and the star and everything else. And he is one of many of these anti-establishment guys who ran this time in a primary, and beat the chosen establishment candidate. This is in Texas. Another guy who won, who was an anti-establishment challenger, is a guy by the name of Chip Roy. He is a former aide to Ted Cruz. He, too, in Texas, defeated the guy that the Republican Party put up there and wanted up there to run against the Democrat. And this is happening or may happen all over the country. Yesterday, a pretty amazing poll that came out and was touted heavily and not surprisingly by Austin Peterson. And this is a poll that was basically done on the 16th of May. And it was conducted via interactive voice response survey of 822 likely Missouri voters. And it showed that Austin Peterson basically was considered perhaps maybe even close to being the front runner over Josh Hawley versus Claire McCaskill. In the first matchup, 
Hawley was picked by 50% of the respondents and Ms. Caskell chosen by 43%. And the second, 56% of the respondents chose Peterson and 40% picked McCaskill. Now, the margin of error, 3.4 percentage points, but that is pretty amazing news for candidate Austin Peterson. And it all is not surprising to me, considering all of the work he's done. And he was one of the first out of the blocks. And, of course, his campaign staff has been very, very passionate. He, too. But this is hard work, and he's getting out there. And Hawley isn't. And this is what happens when you just simply phone it in as some of these guys in Texas did, and as it looks like Hawley is kind of doing too. So once again, folks, these people who are essentially being picked by the Republican Party and the Republican establishment, we're already seeing them knocked down like bowling pins, and this is a pretty big deal. And if we're looking at this poll now in Missouri, we're seeing a pretty significant situation where Peterson has started to make some strides and that's a big deal yeah that's huge yeah I mean you're right it's not shocking especially once you see the operation that Peterson runs he's his ground game is awesome yeah and as you said uh there is no such thing as just well I'm a shoe in for this spot which is what I think Holly has always thought he was right yeah And, and and unfortunately you know there's a little bit of this going on I do believe that I can't sense that Hawley wanted this to begin with. And I think it shows in how he's approaching this thing with really very little passion. And I'm sorry, you can see it a mile away. He doesn't seem to have the kind of energy that a Peterson does. And as you all know, you know, listen, you can have all the accoutrements you want and be all steeped in whatever it is you want to be steeped in. But if you don't have energy, and that's not telegraphed to the people who you're asking for their vote to send you to D.C. for a six-year job that could turn into a 40-year one, you have to actually act like you want it. And and that's and I'm not I'm not saying this because I can't stand Josh Hawley or the Republican establishment. I'm seeing what I'm seeing out there. I'm I'm just looking at it from what it is. And Man, if and it just it seems like either Hawley doesn't want it or his staff is inept or, as usual, the Republican Party is just simply as lazy as a day is long and figure that we're all a bunch of stupid rubes. We're all bu- a bunch of, of lemmings and serfs for the Republican Party and that we'll vote for anybody as long as they have an R next to their name. Keep in mind, too, that Peterson has a little bit of a... I wouldn't say centrist, but it's libertarian because I don't believe that most Republicans in this state are conservative. So they're they're not as indicated not. by what's going on down there in Jefferson City as these hayseeds sit there and, and have an impeachment trial where Governor Greitens is not even allowed to cross-examine witnesses. What And this is all the idea of the Republicans, okay? This is led by the Republican Party here. We're going to have Nick Schroer calling us in, uh, call him at about 6.45, 7 o'clock. He's down there in the middle of all this. But the idea that the Republican Party and Republicans running the show down there on this sham impeachment trial won't even let Governor Greitens' attorneys cross-examine him, 
uh, cross-examine the witnesses is unbelievable. It doesn't even seem legal. Yeah. But it's a good indication of just what the Republican Party nationally and I think, in, in fact, in some cases locally has become, although I will take a certain exception to just simply the broad brush on that because uh, people like Renee Artman, who has worked with the Republican Party very closely, she's the one who made sure we had this debate a couple of Fridays ago and featured all the candidates, even though Josh Hawley wasn't there. So people within the Republican Party who would be otherwise considered uh, common names, they're, they're not being squished into the establishment either. So the Republican Party really has a problem on its hands, and how they didn't learn from President Trump's election is beyond me. But the problem is they they didn't learn, but they also didn't want to learn because they knew that while President Trump did win the election, it still represented to them an anomaly. It was just kind of one of those things where, yeah, but, you know, that's not going to happen again because yeah. we could actually make sure it doesn't happen again by running a governor out who doesn't really – reflect us and who wants to drain the swamp and we could actually engineer this whole thing we could actually just like they did in dc where they were okay with the deep state and yep. and and you'd had lindsey graham out there the effeminate heterosexual out there <laughs> talking about you know how oh you better not mess with Mueller. he's a good guy he's a good man you better not mess with these people don't mess with the deep state don't fire this don't fire that and that's that's the Republican Party we have. And I'm all, you know, that's, I'm a little surprised that, and I think some people might be regretting this, I'm a little surprised that Ann Wagner didn't have a challenger in that district there. I'm a little surprised about that. And I think there are some people looking at the what's going on in Texas and what's going on with the polling in Missouri with the Senate race thinking, oh, we probably could have pulled this off because, you know, keep in mind, even Paul Ryan is on the hot seat. People Definitely. are thinking about running him out and getting Jim Jordan in there. So, I mean, it's if I'm a re- establishment Republican, I'm not happy with what's going on here. Yeah, and we saw this wave and trend happen a, a long time ago. And remember, it was the Tea Party time that all this was really going on. And the media was, this is a trend, you know, this is just a fad. It's going to kind of go away. But And I, as to your point, I think what we're really seeing is is more libertarian-style conservative candidates they're conservative but a libertarian style uh really sweep the nation it's kind of that trump style yeah yeah and they thought that was an anomaly as you said and they have no idea that truly i think this is what is here to stay yeah and the guys down in texas they are really tied into the freedom caucus yeah and the freedom caucus is the one and and, and, and ted cruz is part of that so any idea somehow that these folks were going to somehow turn Ted Cruz out is 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 a question. Uh, I think the idea that Ted Cruz was going to be punished, it, it was fairly apparent right after the election in 2016 that there were a lot of people who had some bad feelings about Cruz, but those yeah. have gone away, especially since the senator has been so uh, loyal and good to the good decisions that President Trump has made. And then he has rightly questioned the ones that he he doesn't like, but I love these numbers. And I love this Dan Crenshaw dude, the eye patch guy. He's like out there. He's got his whole... The first hero I ever knew was my mother. I watched her fight cancer for five years. She never quit. She never complained. And she never stopped taking care of us. And she told me something before she died. She said, you will soar to great heights. 
I decided to join the military because when I was about 12 years old, I read a book by a former SEAL. It was about patriotism and heroism and adventure, and that was everything I wanted to be about. From that moment on, I knew that's how I wanted to serve. I knew that's how I wanted to soar to great heights. In 2012, my third deployment was to Afghanistan, and that was when my life changed forever. About six months into that deployment, I was hit by an IED blast, lost my right eye, completely blinded in the left. And I got back on my feet, had some miracle surgeries take place so that I could see out of my left eye, and actually went back on deployment. After that, I had to be medically retired, and I knew that I would never stop searching for another way to serve my country and make an impact and do what's right for Texans and do what's right for the American people. Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. That is true. There's nothing more important than making sure that our conservative values carry on to the next generation. But my priorities in Congress are Texas's priorities. It's border security, it's fixing our broken immigration system, it's economic freedom, it's states' rights, it's guardians of the American identity. We are red, white, and blue, and we're proud of it. If you want a leader in Congress and you want a lion for your cause and a champion for the conservative movement, then please vote for me, because I will be that. I know what it means to fight, and I know what it means to lead, and I know what it means to inspire people to follow me. I'm Dan Crenshaw, and I approve this message. That's a kick-ass commercial right yeah. there, buddy. And I love, you know, when you look at the picture of him on the T-shirts and stuff, it's him, and it's this kind of silk-screened image of him, like a, like a painted image of him, and then the eye patches, all the, the, the colors of the Texas flag. It's like, whoa. It's, I mean, this guy is like, but, but, he's, but you listen to him talk, and you've heard some of that language before. You've heard that from, for instance, Austin Peterson. You've taught states' rights, and there's a, there's, a, there's a huge influx of a great, strong, libertarian, constitutional conservative flair mm-hmm. that is being pushed into the Republican Party. I always thought that in the aftermath of President Trump's election, that the Republican Party would ultimately go the way of the Tories. That, in fact, I do believe to a certain degree, if it weren't for the fact that it probably would endanger conservative politics in general because the party remains still that shell within which many of us live. Sure. To create another party would be slightly dangerous only from the standpoint of optics and would possibly create a situation where Democrats would win. So we're having to kind of suffer through living in this shell that really is not conservative, that really is more Republicrat. Mm-hmm. And eventually, though, the, the, the good news is we're having people like Dan Crenshaw, maybe even people like Austin Peterson, others, Tony Minetti, some of these guys, who are slowly but surely just simply pushing people out, driving some of these rhinos into extinction. That's the one way you do it, is you simply take over the party from within and grab it away. Well said. Because otherwise... Really, in the end, the Republican Party kind of deserves to die, and it does because it's being run by the people like, for instance, you're seeing in Jefferson City, uh, the individuals who uh, will do anything in their power to uh, 
to protect, for instance, tax breaks and things like that that are good for them, but really bad for the state, but still good for them. There's still many of these lingering individuals around there, and they just have to be shoved out. They have to be removed from the equation. Once McCain's gone, Lindsey Graham is gone, you know, eventually Jeff Flake is gone. Uh, you know, and, and and once you have people like that kind of Paul Ryan and these guys, once they're kind of pushed out and, and just take over, it's going to happen organically yeah. and should. Again, there are some good Republicans out there, but the party itself really doesn't deserve what it's getting and the love that it's getting from a lot of people. But unfortunately, it's the place that we live, and, and it's, and it's kind of where we, we're at, and we're kind of stuck with it. So the idea is simply just simply to, uh, to tear it down from the inside as opposed to the out. That's, it's, it's, it's all, I think, playing out beautifully, and we'll know very soon how this all plays out. But uh, You ever see the movie Pacific Heights? No. Well, you you Old? actually have a story about that with this thirty one year old who had to be shoved <laughs> oh, yes. out. Where we're we're kind of what we're doing is we're we're living in the house of the Republican Party and we're not leaving. And and if and and we will ultimately take it over and that that'll happen. It won't have the outcome that this thirty one year old had. By the way, I learned something in Dan Crenshaw's uh two minute bit there. And that is, I've never seen anybody, I didn't know you could do this, and it's a good idea to grill your hamburgers with cheese and the red onions on top while you're grilling. I haven't done that before. I like that. I got cooking tips from Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Not in, only in would he, ad. Not only would he get your vote, you also particularly like his style of cooking. Well, you know, and, and the thing is, the, the thing that's great about that ad <laughs> and and I do believe that kind of Austin Peterson has a little bit of this in him too. It's it's not overstated. It's 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 more like understated. When you hear this guy talk, I mean he's sitting kind of in this nice living room and you have visions of him doing stuff and cooking and and being with people and shooting stuff and and being and being a, a navy seal all that kind of stuff, but it's 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 kind of very measured. It's not like yeah, man, but yeah. you know, it's it's, yeah. it's really, but but it's strong, and we need people like that. And I think we have people like that who are who are fighting. And and again, once again, the media in Texas paid zero attention to these guys. Of course, much like they're paying zero attention to any of the other people but Josh Hawley. And this poll ought to be so surprising. It's not surprising to us at all. And if you're just joining us, the poll that shows it's a Gravis marketing poll that shows that while Hawley beats Claire McCaskill 50% to 43%, Peterson is beating her 56% to 40%. So that's a pretty wow. big deal. And that's that's a huge step in the Peterson column when it comes to what he's doing. We'll probably maybe chat with him tomorrow about that or uh, yeah. Maybe later on. We've got a couple of folks who are going to be coming in. One is a uh, upstart Republican candidate for the state auditor's office. Now, this is a pretty big deal because we do have a state auditor currently who is a Democrat, Nicole Galloway. She's the only statewide office holder who's a Democrat in the state of Missouri. And to tell you the truth, she's kind of pretty good at what she yeah. does. So there's going to have to be a formidable person. And in meeting this woman who's going to be in the studio with us, actually, so you'll be able to see her on the Facebook Live and everything else, 
uh, I've, I saw a little bit of that formidable challenger there in her. So I think that's going to be an interesting uh, discussion that we're going to have with her. Uh, Nick Schroer is going to join us a little later on. And, of course, also the great Doug Giles is going to be joining us because, well, because he does every week, but also because there is a uh, new documentary out. Actually, PBS, to its credit, is airing this thing, and it's streaming now as of yesterday called Acorn and the Firestorm. As you all know, Doug Giles' daughter, Hannah, uh, was the one behind pretty much the takedown of Acorn. And that's a pretty big deal. And it just so happens that Doug has a book called Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls. And boy, did he raise one in Hannah. And I have to tell you, he's going to be signing that very book for you if wow. that's the book you want when he is here in St. Louis, the 8th and 9th. I made his flight arrangements just the other day, so he's coming up on the 8th. We're going to have the book signing, and right now we're going to be, I think we're going to be right now at the Missouri Athletic Club West because that can accommodate the people. It's going to be a pretty big deal, and so we're going to have it out there on Friday, and then we have, we're making final arrangements for the barbecue, uh, but it is someone you're familiar with. The site's going to be right there off of, in all likelihood, the service road there in St. Peter's, right off of 70, really easy to get to, and it's going to be a ton of fun. We're right now having kind of a food truck battle, which is great. <laughs> battle of the Well, we trucks. have a lot of people who want their food trucks out there, and we're going to accommodate three plus a dessert truck. So we've got three plus a dessert food truck. I think we already got someone who might be interested in that portion of it, which is great. And we're going to have uh, Nine Killers going to be out there spinning some tunes. We're going to have uh, Doug and I are going to kind of rot a crowd with a few uh, things here and there. We're going to have our brand new uh, bumper sticker. Yes. Which is going to be out as well. Yes. I think Tony Hickam, he's made some koozies, which might be perfect for this particular event because Tony has made these really awesome koozies. So we, I don't know how many he's made, <laughs> so I don't want to over-promise this. So we might have some koozies out there. Where of course, we'll have all the Radio Free Elman gear for you out there as well. We are looking for a beverage dispenser. We're looking for someone who wants to kind of turn people on to either their awesome beer. And, of course, we also want to have soft drinks out there as well for everybody. So, you know, I, whatever you, wherever you want, we'll do. That's fine. You know what would be even cooler? And I have an idea for you guys if you really wanted to. Although, don't overdo it. But... Uh, you know how people have the lemonade stands? Sure. You know, I think it would be perfect for this Radio Free Almond brand and for the vibe in general and for our commitment to uh, conservative values in free enterprise. Okay. That if you've got like a couple of kids who want to set up a lemonade stand out there. I like it. That'd be really cool. If, be if, you, cool. if you wanted to bring your kids out there. Because uh, it's going to be obviously a family-friendly event, and, and it's going to be fun, except there will be a book called Pussification out there for, <laughs> available for you. So I'm just warning you ahead of time that, that, that there's going to be a little that, of that out there. But pretty much we're keeping it clean, obviously, yes. as you know. And so if you really wanted to have somebody, you know, get a lemonade stand out there. You're going to have 55 <laughs> lemonade stands out there. Maybe yeah. this 30-year-old who was evicted from it, but maybe... We'll call him and see if maybe he's interested in a job. 
This is a great story. Well, Jamie. he could probably he could maybe run the uh, he could run the the square. Although no, he'll be taking cash. I don't think I want him to be doing that. So we'll follow up on that story, which is pretty cool. Also, we have the situation again with this uh, Greitens issue, the impeachment hearing, and then the woman's running all over the place. And we're going to follow up on that as well. And we also have NBC freaking out over the president's desire to have the FBI and the deep state investigated by the DOJ. They're freaking out over this. And you can tell why. Because they just don't want this cabal exposed. The president today is in the middle of a full-blown tweet storm because he's out there saying, you know what, these people – put a spy in my campaign in order to possibly make sure that Hillary Clinton was elected president. I can't believe there isn't more outrage. I guarantee you if this was the Republican Party or anybody doing this and it was against Barack Obama, you'd have rioting in the streets. It'd be the Stockley verdict all over again. But instead, we have a news media that basically is saying ho-hum. We have Democrats who really don't care. They, they cared a lot about Russia collusion, but oh, apparently yeah. they don't care about collusion that is occurring within our own ranks, within our own people. And they call the Russia collusion thing un-American. What's more un-American than duly appointed federal government employees and people who are trusted with all kinds of really huge tools to spy on people and to do things invading the campaign – of a person who is running for president of the United States. I don't know what is more treacherous, traitorous than an act of that nature. Well, what's even worse is I've heard the never Trumper, can, I, I should say Republicans out there, also no problem with this as, as, as well. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're out there. They're too busy out there trying to cover for Brennan and talk right. about what, a, what an American hero he is yep. because of the CIA and all they've done throughout the throughout yeah. the, the world to protect American citizens. I'll never forget when they had all these uh, intelligence agencies that came out with the with the, the report about Russia collusion right. or with all this kind of stuff. And anybody who dared question the intelligence agencies or anything else was somehow unpatriotic. Yeah. And how dare you question the deep yeah. state? It's amazing to me how many people who call themselves Americans are more than happy to have a situation where they basically have a bunch of spooks running the operation, trying to derail an American presidential candidate, and how that's just kind of like ho-hum, nothing to see here. You know what? To tell you the truth, Brennan ought to be hung as far as I'm concerned, and I hope that ultimately when it comes time for, for charges to be filed, I hope these guys go up the river for the rest of their lives. And I think they will, which is why Brennan's out there tweeting this and tweeting that and doing whatever, because he's scared to death because he's going to be exposed. And the only people he has now on his side would be an American media who hates President Trump, but will be more than happy to cling to a guy <laughs> like Brennan, even though he's corrupt, he's dark, he's horrible, he's unpatriotic, he's un-American. But so what? He's our un-American, according to NBC News. At least he's our traitor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't it our goal to keep these agencies in check? Kind of. We should be celebrating that. And see, in a normal circumstance, as you would have said, 
if Obama would have been in there or Hillary would be in there uh, right now instead of Trump, they would be applauding the fact that Hillary is keeping these agencies, these, as, as they would say, these agencies have gone rogue and Hillary's out there leading the forefront, keeping, she, she's the one who's, who's, uh, who's Obama. making things happen. Yeah, Obama. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, again, it, if the shoe were on the other oh. foot, the, but there's just like nothing to see here. The only people really covering this with any kind of passion or any kind of interest would be Fox News right now and, and us and other people who are covering it. Yeah, a little, but, but you know, they do kind of get into it. But even still, though, for a while there, even Fox News and Kilmeade and these guys are like, yeah, but, you know, be careful because Brennan, you know, these guys have served this country well and blah, 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 and, and Hayden and all these guys. And it just is really sad to see Americans this squishy, and uh, this much of uh, and lacking of, of courage to stand up for things. So, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back without further ado. Here we go. Here is our national anthem. Oh, say can you sing by the dawn's early light What's so proudly At the twilight's last gleaming Whose broad stripes and bright stars Through the perilous fight O'er the ramparts we watched Were so gallantly Choose your way. 
Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Almond. Thanks a lot for checking in with us. We have uh, just an absolute another day of people just blasting the Facebook page and blasting the app. <laughs> We've got our podcasts up that you all like. YouTube's a little behind, but, you know, we want to... We don't want to thin ourselves out too much, so we do want to kind of focus on the podcast and the Facebook and all that kind of thing. A couple of people on the Facebook page, uh, Bill, we get you, man. You know, these apps sometimes, as I mean, it's pretty cool to have an app, but sometimes what comes with it is this hookup to some kind of like news line or something. So underneath it, yeah, there are CNN headlines, headlines. and so. Bill is like wondering, what the hell? You know, it's like, well, uh, keep in mind, this is Radio Free Almond, and what you're hearing basically cancels out whatever you're seeing on the CNN headline thing. So yeah. listen, don't look. That's just what I'm telling you to do when it comes to the those headlines. And we'll work on that a little bit. It's kind of weird because it's um, it, it, that's the other problem with this country in general and its media and its politics is that we default to these things like CNN's on at every airport, whatever. And so they're considered like, oh, they're the objective news organization when they're nothing even resembling an objective news organization. They are staffed with hacks and racists like Don Lemon and other people who are just the of the worst kind of journalists. And then, of course, they also have their staff of individuals who will purposely juice up stories and misrepresent them on the headlines that you see. Because one thing CNN also knows, and, and if you look, for instance, I, I'd have to look at the app. I'd love to kind of do a rundown of what I'm seeing with those CNN scrolling headlines because that's how they do it. They really, 
the content of the CNN product is really oftentimes not even heard or for that matter, uh, you know, ingested in the way that you would normally ingest television. CNN knows that, which is why when you are at the airport or you're in a lobby someplace or maybe even on the app where it's streaming those headlines down there, they know they could basically just lie to you through a headline, through a couple of words here and there, and that's your story. Because believe me, there are many people who just look up at a TV screen and, uh, you know, Trump is corrupt or whatever. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, they, and the next thing, they, they're sitting on next to somebody on an airplane going, hey, did you hear? I heard Trump is corrupt. <laughs> yes. I saw it on CNN. Exactly. It's like that's what they do. And they know it. And that's why it's so frustrating. But that's also why it's so exhilarating to have a product like this where you kind of are able to cut through it. Look at the power that we have right now as Radio Free Almond and other places out there in the digital radio world who are unencumbered by most of this other stuff. And, P- and this is where you live. This is why President Trump was elected president when every day you heard even Fox News tell you there was no way he was going to win. You didn't believe a word Chris Steyerwalter <laughs> The insufferable Dana Perino was saying up there on CNN. Yeah, I mean, have you had enough of her and her dog yes. Jasper, by the way? <laughs> yeah, her oh dog my God. How, Jasper. How, how she got a job as an anchor there, because she's a terrible anchor, but she's, or Shepard Smith or these people, you know, you knew they were lying to you. You could just, you could tell because, yeah. because, you know, the reason why you could tell is because they kept hammering away at it. Because yeah. it was it, because they were trying to drive a story that they knew wasn't there. They saw the numbers. Chris Steyerwald apparently is supposed to be like the uh, the analytics expert sure. there. He knew that the the, the polling was was showing some degree of favorability for President Trump. He no, knew no. that, but he'd go on there every single day and talk about how there is no path, there is no path, there is no path. How many times did you hear that there is no path? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and so that's why you all are here and in droves, by the way, because you know this is your place where you are hearing what the truth is and also talking to other people who know what it is. And And you don't care what... NBC News or KTVI or any of these people tell you. And and watch for this as well. And I, I think I've probably seen this uh, personally, but watch even your terrestrial radio stations, okay, that you even think are conservative. And I'm not, I won't, I'm not actually calling out any particular one, but you even have to watch that because there are, there's corporate control there. And that is why, to your point, what you were just talking about, that is why Trump won this election is because there were a lot of these outliers or what people thought were outliers that were like digital radio stations that people were consuming information uninhibited by corporate interference. Hey, you can't say that. Hey, we don't want you talking about that. There, you you really have to, and now I see it. Well, I was even, when I was working over at 97.1, there were people there who kind of every day were telling me, really? You support Trump? Really? You support Trump? Really? You support Trump? Really, Trump? Really, Trump? And on Facebook and everything else. And so they're there. Uh, And and you know what? Listen, people can be wrong, too. I mean, it's and and you know what? The good people 
are wrong, they come around and then support what's going on. They say, okay, I, I gave it a run. I get it. I have to say I'm impressed, blah, blah, blah. Others simply just cling to this idea, and, and they cling to people who are kind of the constant critics of President Trump. So they'll cling to a Ben Sass, or right. they'll cling to a Jeff Flake, or they'll even cling to an NBC News or a CNN or whatever uh, just because they can't accept the fact that they were wrong. And they weren't only wrong about Trump. They were wrong about America, which I think probably drives them really crazy. I'm not saying all of you who didn't vote – any of you who didn't vote for Trump was right. wrong about America. I'm just saying that there, there was a situation where the, m- many of the analysts all out there really didn't understand what the American spirit and what people were feeling was all about. I knew it the minute I saw the president speak uh, at, when he was campaigning, when he opened up his whole – campaign and I watched every word of it and came in the next day and said this guy is going to be tough to beat and that was when we were being told that Jeb Bush was the guy or that or that Marco Rubio was going to be the man. little Marco yeah little Marco and you know what I still have a lot of I think Marco Rubio does indeed have a future I think Marco yeah. Rubio was dragged in a little bit by the establishment he's kind of like it reminded me of uh you know, Pinocchio in the Lost Boys, you know, it's like he had a future, but then he went out and, you know, smoked yeah. cigars with the, uh, with the, with the Lost Boys, not the Lost Boys, but yeah. whoever those guys were. <laughs> and, and, and I think he, he was misled yes. to a certain degree. So yeah, Pinocchio. I tried to, uh, my kids, my older kids all were tuned into the old school Disney stuff. And the old school Disney stuff was pretty hardcore. It I mean, was. It was pretty, because that was back, like, Pinocchio was, uh, while it was an Italian kind of, the, the Geppetto mm-hmm. and other numerous times, but a lot of this, this uh, fairy tale stuff was really steeped in German fairy tales. And German fairy tales basically were geared towards instilling a deep-seated fear in children of doing anything that their parents didn't tell them to do. So, for instance, that's Hansel funny. and Gretel, yeah. you know, wandering away from home, that's how Germans kind of kept their kids in line <laughs> by scaring the hell out of them, telling them stories about how you know about Hansel and Gretel, don't you? No. Well, they went around, and bread, and then the witch put them in the oven, you know, or the big bad wolf, all this stuff I is all steeped in, like, Germans trying to keep their kids in order. The grim fairy tales are all about that. These guys were insane. I never, ever oh, put yeah. those two and two together. But now thinking about it, oh, yeah. when I grew up, that's what I watched. But now now Disney swung the other way. And now it's all about kind of this doing what, you know, it's this. It's kind of the opposite it's, it's direction. It's very much opposite. Because even yeah. Little Mermaid still had a semblance of that, hey, yeah. don't go away from home. Don't be, don't wander away or this will happen to you. But they did it kind of gently. And indeed, Little Mermaid, it was pretty rough road for her when she wandered out and started hanging out with the people that didn't have fish's bottoms. And then now you look, at, the yeah, you look at like little Nemo, they started that like in the beginning of the movie, it's like, don't go do this. But then it's like the father then learns, right? Oh, I was holding you back. Yes. And, yes. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, You're yeah. right. It, yeah. Triton was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, little mermaid. I've learned a lesson, but you know, uh, but but in the German tales, though, what they would do is you, they, you were pretty much near, like really close to death. 
like <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood. I mean, you were. It was pretty. You might as well have already. You might as well have been eaten or whatever it was the witch was going to do to you as Hansel and Gretel. But unfortunately, then they pushed her into the fire. It's like, oh my goodness gracious! I mean, <laughs> third degree like, burns. Yeah, exactly. But so to my point, though, the kids would all watch this stuff, uh, and, and even Lion King, where they killed off the dad. I mean, yeah. uh, my son Ethan wouldn't let go of me for about a week after watching that movie because it was so terrifying. Uh, less so nowadays with, with some feel-good stuff. But, but to my point, I, so I tried when Aiden was little to show him Pinocchio, to, okay. to, to put on one of the old VHS tapes or one of the old tapes of Pinocchio. This was when Aiden was little. And then about the time Pinocchio caught on fire on Geppetto's workbench, I had to turn it off. Because yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember that being in there. I so maybe my sensitivities increased just a little oh, bit more. Gosh, yeah. that's funny. It's crazy. All right, so back to the news of the day. So you see how the mainstream media is fighting this idea of holding the deep state accountable. They really just, these guys, and it, it's weird because normally, People who were of the liberal end, I always thought were more protective of civil liberties. Their default to statist authority, I thought wasn't really their rap, but apparently it kind of is. Like they're they're really in the end. I've always known through through their policies that they were statists, but I never thought that they would defer to law enforcement authority and to. Uh, the CIA and the like, they would get to the point where they were worshiping every aspect of the CIA and the FBI. Like I've never, I've never seen the left wing stand up for law enforcement the way they've stood up here. I mean, you, they, they they'll go out there when a, when a police officer shot and celebrate, but at the same time, it's like Robert Mueller. Oh no, he's he's uh, the best. He's amazing. He's great. I mean, they 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 won't even provide body armor. For police officers in this community, remember when in Ferguson they dared to have like some vehicle that looked too much like it was military, and all these left wing loons were out there, you know, hey, they we shouldn't over militarize the police. And I get that there's a fine line with this. I understand the civil liberties aspect, but I also understand the need to protect our law enforcement as well. So there's a there's a happy medium there, and I don't mind law enforcement riding around in something that prevents them from being burned beyond recognition by a Molotov cocktail. I just don't worry about that too much. But it's funny how these same people think that Robert Mueller and Brennan and the rest of the CIA are all like their own personal Jesuses. It's like, oh, he's Robert Mueller. Come on. He's like amazing. It's like, oh, really? Where did this come from? Yeah, when when did your love of the... Law enforcement structure as federally uh, come only from. when it fits their as was it Cuomo said well if it fits the story <laughs> yeah, you know right so anyway there's a a reporter named uh, Justin Caruso and this is at the Daily Caller and good for him because he flagged this this is a uh, guy named Harry Littman and he is a Clinton era Deputy Assistant Attorney General and. He this he, this is how far he went when he talked about people criticizing the Trump Russia probe because again these guys MSNBC and all these other guys are so hell bent on this Russia collusion thing coming to fruition that they will just simply 
attack anybody who comes near saying this is all a bunch of BS. They'll attack them in in very unique ways. This guy came up with a new one for me. I don't know how he did it, but boy. What is the effect of now having a discussion in public about an FBI informant when last Wednesday... Uh, the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, a Trump appointee, testified that when we reach the day that we can no longer protect confidential informants and their families, America is less safe. It seems like in less than a week's time, we have reached that day. America is less safe. It's a- Yeah, now that you mentioned it, Nicole, yes, America <laughs> is less safe. Don't you love guests like that? Yes, you know what? Now that you mention it, yes, thank you. America is Less His mind was instantly changed. Bone-chilling development. Look, the uh, Justice Department is under a shelling from the, the White House. It's like London 1941. Oh, it is, is it? Ask the people who were in London in 1941 whether they could compare criticism of a sham investigation to being bombed out of their skulls by the Germans. I'm just wondering if you kind of understand it. And some bombs are hit big, some bombs hit small. This one, to my mind, is the biggest bomb of all. And keep in mind, the people who were bombing London in 1941, you knew who they were, right? The Nazis. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's what he's gotten to the point where he's comparing any question of the Justice Department to a shelling of London in 1941. And they don't even get called out for this stuff. Yeah, even if you're Nicole Wallace, you're going, Did you just really? compare you just say- the Holocaust? Well why, no, well, why didn't he just say the Holocaust? Yeah. You might as well. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, although I'm not comparing the bombing of London to the Holocaust, please, well, people, I know. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. Yes. But, but this whole idea that somehow, that, that you can go this far to comparing I mean, legitimate criticism. You, I always thought that the media's job was to hold. What is this? Remember when Nancy Pelosi, truth to power, truth to power. Henry, get in the canoe. You got to go under the golden pot. Truth to power. That's what we're all about. Remember? I, do. I mean, Nancy Pelosi impressions yeah. are so Ryan, spot on. Truth to power. <laughs> But 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 that but, it, but truth to power. But whatever happened to this truth to power? I've never liked that term anyway. It's a stupid. It's, it's term. usually coming from you know like Al yeah. Sharpton or somebody like that. Hey, Nancy Pelosi, Al, you can't come in the canoe. <laughs> no blacks allowed in my canoe. <laughs> but but Nancy Pelosi is the one who talked about truth to power. These guys now, whenever you actually want to go after the powerful. They're more than happy to support the powerful. They're more than happy to support the Justice Department. They're going crazy. Meanwhile, NBC had a different take. They were criticizing President Trump for daring to criticize the Justice Department. Now, keep in mind, this morning, the information continues to pour out about how the FBI and our Justice Department at the time, under Obama, were the ones who installed basically a spy in the Trump presidential campaign. This is serious business here, people. And yet the media will constantly be covering for these guys who say, no, 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 this is, this was necessary. Because even, I think Brennan or Hayden or somebody was interviewed about this, and they said, well, you know, this happens all the time when we have suspicions of things. It's like, uh, really? 
If there was, if you, would you do this to the Hillary Clinton campaign? And while he was speaking in the Oval Office today, President Trump also took new aim at the Russia probe and raised new questions about whether he is inserting himself into the investigation. We get more. Okay, here's what's interesting about this is that the president, who, by the way, is a target. Well, he's really not a target, but because he hasn't been named as a target. A target is actually kind of a legal term. So I'm, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, though. The president, who actually is being bombarded by questions about him, he's being called corrupt and being called unpatriotic. and being, When he dares question what's going on, well, is there a possibility that President Trump is inserting himself in the investigation? Yeah, Lester, how long does it take you to figure that one out? You're damn right he's inserting himself in the investigation, and you're damn right that he has all the wherewithal and all the right in the world to do so. Well, I mean, it, it was entrapment. If that actually happened, that was all designed to entrap him and ultimately lead to what's happening right now. More from NBC News White House correspondent Kristen Welker. Tonight, President Trump is escalating his assault on the investigators who are investigating him. His assault. That's an editorial term. When you say that he is assaulting the investigators who are investigating him by questioning who they are, like what they are, who they are, why they're doing what they're doing. So obviously you have the same terminology. I mean, Brennan would have used this terminology. Anybody who this is this is basically the case being made by uh, the people the, by the deep state, and and the media is more than willing to adopt the very language that the deep state would use to describe President Trump questioning this investigation, which has been hampering him, hampering uh, actually really kind of hasn't because it's. Uh, He's done uh, he great with the economy and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But still, it has been a distraction to the point where you have the news media, it's, you're giving them something to focus on because if they focus on increased wages, uh, lowest unemployment of blacks we've seen in the history of this country, uh, then they, they, they wouldn't want to do that. So they have to have something that will be the shiny object, and this has been their shiny object for some time Prompting now. Prompting a critical question. Is the president threatening the longstanding independence of the Justice Department amid revelations an FBI informant had contact with his campaign during the 2016 election? Notice how she said the FBI informant had contact with his campaign. Once again, it's another Orwellian euphemism for, you mean... Uh, spying installed in the campaign. He just had contact with the campaign. What exactly is the nature of that contact? You mean he was dropped into, immersed into, planted into the campaign? But notice how the news media, in this case, this reporter at NBC, says, oh, it was an individual who had contact with the campaign. Now imagine for a moment, let's flip it, if Trump, during the campaign, had contact with Putin. Would this, would that be said like that? Like, oh, he just had contact. Oh, it was yeah. just a little contact. If they had spies in my campaign, that would be a disgrace to this country. That would be one of the biggest insults that anyone's ever seen, and it would be very illegal. The fiery words come after President Trump... I love when President Trump says very illegal. 
Like, I, like, I mean, I love it because because it's either illegal or it isn't. But I, I love it that he's just, it's very, this is very illegal. It's like, buddy, you bet. And did his deputy attorney general, Rod Rosenstein, find out whether that FBI informant was used for political purposes? Mr. Trump even refusing to say whether he has confidence in Rosenstein. It's interesting how... If this were the Obama administration and somebody was infiltrating the Obama campaign, this would be not all about – because you notice how the, 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 the angle of NBC on this is that the president is somehow meddling in this really highly legit activity, which is contact, just about a contact with his campaign. And, and when, when, in fact, this would be – the NBC would treat this like Watergate – on the other end, yes, they wouldn't. They wouldn't say President Obama is daring to assault the Justice Department and the investigators. It's like it would be so different. But maybe I'm just speaking to the choir. Confidence in Rod Rosenstein. Uh, what's your next question, please? And it's not just the president. His allies on Capitol Hill are also trying to discredit the investigation with a group of Republicans calling for a second special counsel to investigate the Justice Department and FBI. It is time for transparency. And it's time to allow the American people to know the truth. Yeah, you're damn right it is. Because we are actually in a situation where this is very unsettling to know that this happened. If Hillary Clinton were elected president, we would have never known anything about this. And when you imagine all the freak out over Watergate, yeah. over the uh, everything that was going on back then and the corruption then... I mean, the Watergate era was seen as a sea change in the American trust of government and everything else. And this is seen by the news media as just another blip. Oh, nothing to see here. No big deal. When, believe me, if all of this is true, what we're hearing, to me, this is worse than Watergate. Uh, this, is, this is something that desperately needs to be attended to. And yet we're having lawmakers having to go in front of microphones and beg for some kind of action on this thing. This is so far beyond Watergate. I mean, we're not talking about uh, stolen files here. We're talking about entrapment of a potential and highly likely candidate for the presidency. And you are darn right. If this would have been a a, a liberal, if, if, if Hillary Clinton, if this would have happened to the Hillary, you would have... Uh, comparisons to Watergate. Instead, they are really painting this as another Trump yeah. out of control. Well, all that is interesting, but don't you want to hear what The View has to say about it? Oh, I mean, because after God. all, that's what, that's really what's important in the end here. Yeah. Oh, man. Come on, View. Oh, my. Is it Whoopi still? No. Well, Whoopi's over there still, and so is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not able to get this thing to go again. Here, hold on a second. It's probably for the best for the. Listener. <laughs> yeah, my internet is down for some reason. It's not working. But anyway, the what view. They well, they 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 had a guest on there, and they, and and it was Joy Behar, and it was I think it was Brennan on there. Why is my internet not working, guys? Let me just see here. Let me check you out. Yeah, here. I, you know what? I'll just do my hotspot for crying, crying out loud. It's ridiculous. <laughs> just use my Wi-Fi hotspot. Is our is our stream still you're going? An, Everything else yeah, is going? Okay. You're an overcomer. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, exit page. Let me do this again. Here we go. On the air. Great radio, people. Just remember. <laughs> just remember you're getting this for nothing. And just also just <laughs> be glad. 
you're actually not in. Um, we're not in. Like, we're not in the cockpit, and you're not in the passenger side. It is time. Here, let's just go to the view. To here, know shall the we? truth. Former director of national intelligence James Clapper insisting there was no wrongdoing. Yeah, of course. Let, let's let's be the view and interview James Clapper, who, when one time interviewed by 60 Minutes and the wake of the arrests in a London bombing plot, had zero idea it was even going on. And this was the guy who was head of the National Intelligence Agency. And in fact, he had to be helped out because it was Clapper and Brennan and then somebody else. And Diane Sawyer was like, so what do you think about the, uh, the arrest of London bombs? I'm sorry, I, I'm really, what are you talking about? And Brennan's like, oh, he just doesn't, he hasn't really quite been up to speed. It's like, it was so unbelievable. But this is Clapper. And this is also typical. Now, now I don't watch The View, so, but, no but, but it's, not, it's, not, it's not surprising to me that The View decides they're going to sit here and slobber all over what is basically, aside from Brennan, probably the second most lizardly element of the deep state, and that would be James Clapper. So let's see what James Clapper has to say. Surely he is going to blow the lid <laughs> off this thing. For insisting there was no wrongdoing by the FBI. Was the FBI spying on Trump's campaign? Uh, uh, no, he, they were not. They were spying on a, a term I don't particularly like, but on uh, what the Russians were doing. Tonight. So this is also the Whoa. same James Clapper who lied in front of Congress when he was asked whether the NSA, and whether the deep state was collecting data on Americans. Remember, he said, not to my knowledge, yeah. no. He lied to Congress, and yet nothing ever happened to the guy. And so this, was, this has always been their claim that somehow we were really spying on the Russians. We weren't spying on the Trump campaign. And, of course, unfortunately, you really can't prove that right. that is not the case. So they can just say that all day long. But it's interesting how The View would entertain Clapper on there as opposed to because, – because they know he's going to go ahead and give the deep state a pass on this kind of yeah. thing because he is part of it. And Joy Behar doesn't want to hear that the FBI was spying on the Trump campaign. She wants to hear that they were actually – he told her everything she wanted to hear because she will not accept any – possibility that there was anybody who was uh, sp from the FBI spying That's on the Trump a campaign. massive admission right there on The View from him, though. I mean, he is admitting that there was spy, although he doesn't like that term, as he yeah. likes to say. Well, what term do you like to call it, <laughs> Clapper? Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we get, baby. Hey, come on. When we come back, Nick Schwar down there in Jefferson City telling us about the impeachment hearing, which is a another sham going on. This time... Republicans are not allowing cross-examination of witnesses in the case.
Yes, indeed, everybody. Good morning this morning. Uh, Radio Free Almond is on. It's hot. We're getting ready for... I'm really, I'm really, really excited about this book signing barbecue. Same I mean, here. it's, it's going to be the warrior and the wild man throw down Palooza, starting with a, well, little party at the Missouri Athletic Club West, which is going to be Friday, and I'll have we'll we'll get all the details oh, yeah. up there for you and everything else, and that's going to be the book signing at the Missouri Athletic Club. I'm setting the time about five thirty to eight, and so we'll have some uh, fun times out there. Really easy to get to for all of you who happen to be whether you're in Jefferson County, in St. Charles County, in West County, whatever. It's really easy to get to, and Doug, I've already made arrangements flying him up from Austin. And so he's going to be coming in uh, Friday, and then that evening we'll do the book signing and everything else. And then next day we'll be up and at him for a big old, we're calling it a barbecue, but really there might be some barbecue there. Hopefully there might be a food truck with some good barbecue. But there might also be, uh, we, currently we have a couple of options regarding some Italian food. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of in this food truck War battle, yeah, yeah, and we love it. So we're and we have uh, so far we we're gonna probably do this. We're gonna have three food trucks and one kind of dessert truck. And then as you all, as I all told you, if you got a little kid with a lemonade stand, you want to come out there. Great. We are looking for someone who has a connection to some good beer. Yes. So you know whatever it happens to be, we're we're looking for people who want to be out there. Uh, and if you're hungry enough to come, kind of, we're we're possibly going to be hooking up with Billy Bush and some other folks. But that's what we're looking for. But it's two weeks out, and we have a lot of people who are interested. This is going to be. We're going to seal the deal tomorrow, but we're fairly certain it's going to be right out there uh, in St. Peter's. It's right off the service road, off of 70. So it's going to be in God's country out there, St. Peter's. It's going to be easy to get to, too, for all of you as well. And that's going to be, I'm setting the time for there about 12 to 6. Yeah. And so it's going to be, because, you know, when night falls, I know how wild you people get. <laughs> So I want to make sure everybody's out of there before dark because it gets it's gotta, crazy there. The Radio Free Almond crew. Oh, I'm telling you. Oh, I mean, I saw this happy hour <laughs> out of control. I know. We'll have probably by <clears throat> Friday an actual event registration page, just to be clear. We'll post that all over Facebook. We'll email it to everybody. If you're hopefully on the Radio Free Almond email list as well, if you're not, go to RadioFreeAlmond.com. And click at the very top. There's our email list. Make sure you're plugged in. That way you can get this stuff. Yeah, no doubt. And it's going to be a ton of fun. Hopefully the weather's going to be great. I realize a lot of people have stuff going on, graduations and that kind of thing. But because we're making it 12 to 6, you have an opportunity to kind of come in, say hi, do whatever you want to do. We're going to have the uh, Radio Free Almond gear out there for you. We're going to have a brand new pile of uh, bumper stickers out there as well for you guys. And maybe even Tony Hickam might be able to have uh, produced 200 koozies by then. We don't know. And then we're also going to have three different Doug Giles books to offer you, not only at the book signing, but we'll have them also uh, at the Saturday event if you can't make the book signing as well. And that would be Pussification, the (laughs) Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls. uh, And by the way, one of his Rowdy Girls and Righteous Girls is Hannah Giles. And right now she is the subject of a really great documentary airing on PBS. Well, I was really surprised to see it on PBS. Now it's streaming and it is uh, about Acorn and Hannah Giles' takedown of Acorn, and it's called Acorn and the Firestorm. So she's part of that, and uh, Doug did indeed raise a righteous and rowdy girl. He's got another daughter, too, as well. 
And so we'll talk to him about that. He's got that book and then his latest book, which is Rules for uh, Radical uh, Radical Christians. And that's a great one. It's going gangbusters. And he always puts these when he's on Amazon in the oddest places. Like he put pussification in gender studies. (laughs) So... I mean, you know I'm going to have uh, to get that book. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here. I mean, it's really, it's really pretty funny. And so we're, I'm having all three of the books um, shipped up here, three versions of the books. And so hopefully we don't run out, but we're, I think we've ordered plenty of them to, to, to be delivered. And then we'll have all that available both Friday and then Saturday. And it'll be a ton of fun. And it's going to be beautiful. I mean, we're, we're really – I appreciate all the support, you guys, uh, not only on the Facebook page but also on the streamer. We are, I guess, getting out some kinks here and there, but pretty much things are pretty smooth sailing. I mean, we've got a few things we got to work out communications-wise, you know, because, you know, well, like, for instance, we'll ask for food truck ideas, and we'll get a thousand of them. <laughs> and they're like, oh, um, okay, so now what do we do? So tomorrow... Because it's really just me and Ryan, so, <laughs> you know, kind of like, oh, okay. If I had more team, I would have made these food trucks line up. We would have done, like, race wars <laughs> with these food yeah. trucks, you know? This would have been, like, a very... Yeah. We're just short-staffed. But listen, here's the deal. <laughs> we're, we're growing, and and the fact that we're able... Well, we had a lot of support in the background, too, by the way. Don't I'm not trying to underscore... The, I'm tr- trying to denigrate that. You know, even my sister-in-law, Alicia, for crying yes. out loud, the work she's done oh, has been... Awesome. Uh, been amazing so we're not trying to pretend that we don't have all the backing and so many angels out there helping us out there's no no uh, way around that but still we'll throw (laughs) stuff i know what we'll do we'll do this and suddenly it's like oh um i don't yeah what am i doing like ryan have you called the 1000 (laughs) we're not that organized people so we're working on that. So it, awesome. it'll be a ton of fun. But you guys have been so great. And this has been such a fun adventure. And really appreciate you guys. But, and again, if you have any ideas for the beverage folks out there, even if you have somebody who I'd love a person out there who does uh, like frozen daiquiris or something, that'd be great, man. <laughs> so we'll do that. So we'll, we'll, we'll get it together. Oh, yeah. It'll be a ton of fun. And believe me, the, the people we're involving with on this venture where we're going to have the actual barbecue in the Palooza – uh, they're gonna do it up. You're gonna, you're gonna. It's gonna be a pretty cool a event show. and place, and you're going to to love it. You see this? This is one of my favorite stories, by the way. And before we get to some of the latest in Missouri politics, which is is tracking national politics, and what I'm saying is, in other words, it's bad news for the Republican establishment. And folks like Josh Hawley, bad news for some of the people in around the country in the Republican establishment. But anyway, before I get to that, you see this. <laughs> I, I, I hate I, I hate it's a it's a horrible story, but it's about an MS MS thirteen gang member who has been sentenced now for stabbing a fifteen year old boy to death in East Boston. This is an MS thirteen gang member. You want to take a wild guess as to what the MS-13 gang member's nickname is? Oh, gosh. I couldn't even imagine. Check. Look on. Are you on the Facebook page right now? Yeah. Okay. Any of you want to take a wild guess as to... I, see, now this is where we ought to have a contest. I know. Or ask something they to give away. They would just Google it, though. What's that? They would just Google it, though. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. To the first, and that's fine, even if you do. To the first person who's on the Facebook right now who tells me 
accurately what they think the nickname of the MS-13 gang member is, I will give you a free signed copy of whatever Doug Jowell's book you want of That's the three, good. okay? Somebody says Animal? Yes! Oh! Yes! Who is it? John Marshall. All right, John. Listen, buddy, uh, just simply remind us or send us a message through yes. the Facebook page, and then uh, we will get you set up with that. John, See, email. send us an email, info at radiofreealman.com, info at radiofreealman.com, and we'll get you hooked up with that book. Animal is his nickname. Well done. Animal is the guy's <laughs> nickname. Un. Believable. <laughs> but you're not allowed to call them animals. Joel Martinez, also known as Animal, is a 23-year-old national from El Salvador and a member of the MS-13 street gang. And so that's, uh, there you go. There you have it. There you are. Hilarious. Meanwhile, in Texas, we are, we, there's a possibility one of the next congressmen in Texas is going to have an eye patch, and it's going to be... And D.C. is filled with politicians, lobbyists, and lawyers. That's why we need Dan Crenshaw, a retired Navy SEAL. Crenshaw lost his eye fighting for us in Afghanistan, refused to quit, and went on to deploy twice more. That's Texas tough. Texan, conservative, patriot, outsider. Crenshaw is running to ensure our conservative values carry on to the next generation. We need... Crenshaw with Honor Fund Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. So Dan Crenshaw has this eye patch in, well, has an eye patch because he lost an eye, obviously, as a Navy SEAL. But also the the posters of him and the images of him, like on T-shirts and stuff, the eye patch has all the the colors of the Texas flag on him. It is like an awesome campaign. But more importantly, uh, issue-wise, the guy is spot on. And so Crenshaw went on to go ahead and defeat the individual who was, well, basically picked by the GOP as the front runner in the congressional race there. And he's not the only one in Texas who, uh, when they had their primary just on Tuesday, uh, who basically took apart the establishment. So these are all guys from the grassroots anti-establishment wing. And also in Georgia, there was an individual who was able to defeat the hand-picked Republican establishment candidate. And then the one district of note is the 21st congressional district in texas and that is the former chief of staff the senator ted cruz chip roy who basically just cruised the victory i mean he trounced this matt mccall dude who was a hand-picked washington establishment candidate now keep in mind you think oh (laughs) that won't happen here to josh hawley what could possibly go wrong with that well Let's look at the latest Gravis marketing poll. It was done on the 16th. You can have issues with whatever way it did it. I don't know. It's a survey of 18, I'm sorry, 822 likely Missouri voters. It was done by a uh, by interactive voice response, which I really don't understand what that is. Is that like a is it an auto dial? It's an thing? auto dial. Okay. Yeah. So it was done that way. And so this is Pretty fascinating, people, okay? These numbers. There were two matchups. Hawley versus Claire McCaskill and Austin Peterson versus Claire McCaskill. And in this particular poll, Hawley was picked by 50% of the respondents and McCaskill by 43. 
that know, alone. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Holly really could take her. But then you saw this. With Peterson against McCaskill, it was 56% of respondents choosing Peterson and 40% choosing McCaskill. Either way, it's bad news for Claire McCaskill, but it's also bad news for Josh Hawley and the Republican establishment. And it just goes to show you that Hawley's anemic campaign and his seemingly phone-in style of campaigning and again, I'm not picking on Josh Hawley. I'm calling it as I see it here. It's starting to catch up with him. And you can keep going all you want with John Danforth talking about how great you are. But until you get out there and get your hands dirty and see people who are really going to be voting and see people in the grassroots and talk to the people who voted for President Trump, you're not going anywhere. You still can't make up for just the ground-level, organic voters. You can't do it. Hillary no. Clinton couldn't do it. They thought they could, and they couldn't do it. And the fact of the matter is Austin Peterson's campaign, and I think Tony Minetti's taken on that as well, uh, because they have they, both of these guys I'm, I'm naming because they have the larger staffs out there, uh, and Austin Peterson has the largest staff. Oh, no doubt. And, 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 and Josh Hawley has the Missouri Times and um, John Danforth <laughs> yeah. and money coming from lots of money. So, but but the, but but Peterson has people who he's been out there everywhere I go. He's out there and he's accessible. He's there. You can barely get an interview with Josh Hawley. It hasn't helped that Hawley has made horrible decisions, like for instance, uh, deciding that Governor Greitens. Uh, and I realize the polls that they're showing, well, there's not much support for him. Folks, there is support for him, and the reality is you're just not seeing it. People, how many of you even bother to respond to polls anyway? And the reality is when we see what's going on in Jefferson City and the kind of hit job that's going on down there, at the hands of Republicans, by the way, where you're seeing Governor Greitens, who is being forbidden, his team is being forbidden from – cross-examining witnesses yeah. in his impeachment case. Josh Hawley is forbidding him from using state taxpayer-funded attorneys, even though the state, in the formulation of these Republicrats, have all the resources and state resources in the world to conduct these impeachment hearings. It's unbelievable. By the way, uh, Nick Schwar is ready to rock. Okay. So we can go ahead and <laughs> get him on the line. But, folks, again... The only way to really tell what's going on here is to get down there with the people, get your hands dirty. Austin Peterson has done that, and this particular showing in the polls is of zero surprise to me. You can't sit there and rest on your laurels that Good long. Good morning this morning. Good morning this morning. Uh, yes, sir, Representative Nick Shore. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good, just getting ready for the day, and uh, hopefully going to hear Scott Fawn on the uh, live stream at house.mo.gov today. So what is Scott Fawn going to be doing? Well, hopefully he's going to be answering questions as to where uh, the money came from, the 50000 that he said it was from a, a book deal. Um, and then Al Watkins came out and said, no, it's actually from another source. So hopefully we're going to find out where that 50000 came from, where another 50000 may have come from, um, and why it came. 
So Scott Fawn going to sit up there in front of the microphones like he always does and go, I'm just a hillbilly. I don't know anything. I'm just a little hillbilly running the Missouri Times. I don't know. That's just, you know, the, 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 between. Well, there's some. Go ahead. There's some people that said that he might not even show, that he might. Because um, I, I saw that last week uh, he had resurfaced after uh, he'd been in hiding and he had resurfaced. And a lot of people said he's either been uh, been subpoenaed or is going to be shortly. And a lot of people are saying that he might not even show. He might testify via an attorney. Yeah, well, because he'll also he's also kind of invoking journalistic privilege, which uh, I certainly yeah. wouldn't call him a journalist, but he, he would be invoking the journalistic privilege. Now, keep in mind, Scott Fawn, what Nick Schwartz is talking about, Scott Fawn is with the Missouri Times. The Missouri Times is basically bankrolled by Sterling Bank. Sterling Bank basically makes a ton of money off of the tax credit system that Eric Greitens wants to dismantle. So that's all you need to know about Scott Fawn's approach to Eric Governor Greitens and the rest of the swamp down there. But you know what's really disturbing me, Nick? And you you are an attorney, and Nick Shore is the general counsel for Design Discovery, Discovery Design, as well as for Arrowhead Building Supply. And 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 is friends with my friends Rick Pogue and works yeah. with them and everything else. He's a great guy. But he's a general counsel. He's an attorney. Did you find it interesting that the uh, Republicans decided that Governor Greitens' team would not have the ability to cross-examine witnesses. There are some people even saying, how is that even legal in a <laughs> proceeding like this? Yeah, when you when you look at the other states that have actually had to go, go through something like this, Connecticut, Alabama, Illinois, some of these states actually do allow... <laughs> come on, get out of here. <laughs> My three-year-old is trying to bug me. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> when, when you... Hey, do you want to be... Hey, do you want to yeah. be on Radio Free Allman? Yes. Is it a him or a her? Okay, now, now she won't do it. Uh, no, what's, real what's quick, her? speaking of Rick Pogue, Rick, that's Delaney. That's an uh, almost four-year-old. Hey, Delaney, are you not going to talk to Radio Free Almond? What's going on? Where are you going, by the way, with Daddy? No, she took off. Oh, she did. She okay. took off. Yeah, right. yeah uh, Rick, Rick Pogue's got a uh, little soundboard thing. that It's a little handheld thing that you can touch, and it's got... Um, Donald Trump quotes. I think he brought it on your show like a year ago. Oh, yeah. Um, but she got a hold of this thing. She got a hold of it and started repeating it. So she was running around saying, make America great again. And I'm thinking, don't let social services hear you or I'm going to get brought in and <laughs> child neglect charges. I love but to it. to your point, yeah, there are other states. There are other states that have actually implemented uh, some rules which allow uh, the executive branch to have their attorneys testify, uh, cross-examine rather, uh, in, in these types of hearings, but there are other states that don't. So there is an argument to be made that this is, it could be a breach of separation of powers where the executive branch is actually partaking in and kind of gearing the the proceedings to whatever result they want in the legislative branch. So I, I totally understand that. I, I applaud leadership at bringing in three more new fresh faces to the, uh, to the committee. Um, one of them is a, is an attorney, Curtis Trent out of Springfield. So, We've got a, a good variety of people who haven't necessarily seen uh, the evidence that was brought about in the original committee. So I'm hopeful that Scott Vaughn, if he testifies today, that he's going to get hit with some questions. Um, hopefully he's going to have some answers for us. And I heard that Thursday, uh, Attorney Al Watkins will be or should be in, in front of the committee. Make sure you guys take a shower after that one. <laughs> uh, by the way, it's interesting <laughs> that, that 
the, the, the you know you just said that there were three new people who haven't heard all the testimony, and it's interesting the people who don't want to have the governor's lawyers cross-examine individuals have made the argument that, well, it's because we've already heard all this stuff before, blah, blah, blah. So you just said there are at least three people who really actually haven't heard all this stuff before. And a cross-examination might actually be good for them. Uh, who, who, these, these new, this new blood in the committee, a cross-examination would be perfectly appropriate in this case. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of these things that are kind of unprecedented. Yeah. Um, in the state of Missouri, we really haven't had to impeach a governor who hasn't been convicted of anything. I mean, you, you look at other states like Blagojevich, and, you know, the charges there were, were totally different. It, it's an odd situation to be in, so, you know, I, I do not envy leadership at, in deciding how to roll this out. But, yeah, there, there's a lot of evidence that I haven't seen, that my constituents haven't seen. That I know the the committee had to put under lock and key with the federal or not the federal charges, the felony charges that were hanging over Greitens, which kind of still are. There's that 30 day window from the time that um, the more than reputable Kim Gardner, um, <laughs> which yeah, I, I've got my own. I, I could go on for an hour about her, but she dismissed the charges that for 30 days they can refile charges on her or on him. Um, so they've kicked it out to the attorney in Kansas City to be the special prosecutor yeah. to look into it. Another Democrat, by the way. Yeah, they couldn't have gone into St. Charles County and picked picked my friend Tim Lomar or any of the other reputable attorneys throughout the state. They had to go all the way across the state uh, to find another Democrat prosecutor. So the charges are kind of still hanging over his head, um, and I, I think that there's some evidence that is under lock and key. But now that the committee is going full bore, we've only got 30 days to consider all the evidence on whether we should dole out uh, a censure, remonstrance, impeachment, which a lot of people are still kind of on the fence about, like, do we have enough evidence? Should we, could we, uh, based upon the evidence, impeach? Or the, the last one that the post-disgrace and the Kansas City Star do not recognize is that we have the option to, after hearing all the evidence, to say, look, there's nothing here. It's a big nothing burger. Uh, and we're going to go home and hit the ground running again next year and do the people's work. Yeah, good. I, you know, it's interesting that they did transfer this from Kim Gardner just to, just to another Democrat urban enclave in Jackson County. It's like unbelievable what, what a sham this whole thing is. And, Nick, how does this work, though? So when you guys are down there in session, there is – like what do you do? Like there's, a, there's, a, there's an impeachment hearing, and do you attend – the hearing or like what, like what is your, like, what is your day? Like if you're not on the impeach on the committee, so if you're, if you're not on the committee, you're in the, what's called a technical session where they gavel in. It's just so the committee can, can have their hearings and bring people in. Um, so the only ones that are technically supposed to be down there in Jeff city, uh, and this is to save taxpayer dollars or, or the committee. And if let's say if a member goes down there, they can they can get per diem for traveling to and from Jefferson City um, to do whatever duty uh, they need to go down there to do. But for me, I'm working at Arrowhead Building Supply. I'm working with Discovery Design, and you know we're we're going to be breaking ground soon on a 75,000 square foot facility. Um, so a lot of the members are back home doing what they uh, do in their actual careers, uh, spending time with family. That's another thing that I do. And I'm live streaming this thing when I'm driving around with Rick Pogue. We're listening to the live streams. I'm hoping to get <laughs> nice. um, the, the live stream today with Scott Fawn. So the public can go to house.mo.gov. They can listen into these uh, these hearings. Then they can type in their address and figure out who their representative is if they don't know who it is. 
reach out to them and let them know exactly what they think about what's going on with these uh, proceedings. I hope you're one of those two phone guys so you can live stream the Radio Free Almond show and the Scott Fawn Al Watkins show, just so you know. And by the way, Absolutely. Uh, just so you know, uh, folks, uh, Nick is has a couple of – one of the things he mentioned, uh, Discover Design, happens to be quite possibly – we don't know, just might be the location of our big old – Palooza that we're taking to take place on the 9th with Doug Giles. So that's going to be oh, a ton nice. of fun. Can't wait to see the conveyors and the big old American flag. I saw that. All right. So, uh, Representative Shore, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate that. And I, I was talking about the Al Watkins shower thing. So do you guys have, like, you know, some businesses, like, have a place that you go and they have, like, a, some big shower off, like, hose off, just in case you get in contact with some kind of chemicals. <laughs> so, hopefully, that'll be uh, for you standing by. And, by the way, I will have to say, in our defense, Delaney is one of the few individuals who's actually run away when Radio Free Almond is mentioned. Because, yeah. normally, we have people coming to Radio Free Almond, but Delaney's just one of those. Well, she, decided... heard, she heard Al Watkins. She <laughs> ran away. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, listen, safe travel. She knew where you were going with that one. (laughs) All right, brother. Well, we appreciate you, and um, thanks for checking in with us, and we'll make sure we uh, check in with you as the situation progresses down there in Jefferson City. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. I'll see you. Okay, take care. Yeah. That's uh, Al Watkins. Somebody said on the Facebook feed, (laughs) Al Watkins is creepier than the original Darren on Bewitched. (laughs) You know, it is true about Bewitched. There was something not right about Darren. I never and, watched the show. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, Bewitched was great. I remember I remember what's her face, the 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 mother witch. Okay. Who didn't get along with Darren at all. And I want to say that she, it, was, it wasn't Tallulah Bankhead. It was somebody else. But I've always said that I really loved the way that the witch the mother witch dressed because she was like this exotic witch and she had this awesome uh green eyeshadow going for her compared to the non-exotic witches yeah okay. but there was there was i mean it's I mean, interesting they say that darren was creepy because he kind of was you got the impression that there that even though uh the, the he was married to a witch he actually was the more troublesome person as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I don't know. You analyzed this. I know. Well, believe me. I have a lot of time to analyze television. Like you want to talk about commercials, do you? It's over us. that for you, too. Like it always was. Coming up, we're going to talk to the Republican like always runner for, well, one of them at least, for State Auditor, which is going to be a formidable, important race, considering that it could affect elections negatively for you if you're a conservative, if somebody doesn't stop what's going on right now with the current State Auditor. We'll follow up on that.
smart and happy Wednesday, everybody. You all are slamming their radio free almond Facebook, the HD. How do you like that HD? Good bowling. What are we gonna? We're gonna get a, got a couple cameras in here at one point, aren't we? We are. Yeah, there'll be. I think almost four cameras in here. Wow. Looking at your pretty face. Every When's that day. gonna happen? Soon. Soon. We're thinking, you know, within a couple weeks, nice. we're gonna have this thing. Uh, oh, and next week, by next week. We're going to have some additions to the studio that you're going to like, too. Well, I mean, it's just an addition to the studio. I don't know if you're going to like them, but... I'll like we're just, it. We're just, we're continuing to decorate, you see, in the studio. So we're going to have all kinds of different things. I might go back to Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're the decorator. I, I kind of am. Yeah, I kind of am. Uh, but, yeah, we're going to have... Uh, more of that for you guys, and also we're going to have Doug Giles joining us in just a little bit, and um, we're going to be hanging out with the Republican candidate for state auditor. Yeah. You had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> I have to tell you... As a little boy, there were certain people that kind of tripped a trigger, you know. Okay. <laughs> when you were watching TV. All right. And Elizabeth Montgomery as the witch was like. She was your, she was yeah. your thing. Well, she was not as hot as Catwoman was, though, in Batman. Like Catwoman was that was I could I remember the first time I ever had any kind of uh, of thoughts, so to speak. <laughs> See, we're in two totally different, you know, like generations of of yes. who we would have been. Well, no, don't worry, the question's coming. So. <laughs> don't don't worry, we're, we'll get to you in just a second here. I'm gonna because I'm gonna ask, but no, uh, for a lot of us uh, guys, it was. Uh, it was in this order for me, at least. Well, no, you know what? It was um, it was Catwoman. Okay. It was Marianne in Gilligan's Island. <laughs> okay. I was either you're a Marianne guy it. or you're a Ginger guy, and and generally I was kind of a Marianne guy. Okay. And if you're a Mrs. Howell guy, all right. <laughs> <laughs> some guys are Mrs. Howell guys. I get okay? it. I mean, some guys were Mrs. Howell. I mean, some guys. You know, there's nope. certain guys who were yeah. the Mrs. Howell types. I don't know. Maybe they thought she would be easier to get. This will get the, the comments is. going. But so we got uh, I got a Catwoman. Now, Catwoman came in a variety of ways uh, of people. I think Lee Merriweather was the one that I really liked. Okay. Or there was another Catwoman, too. It was, um, well, I'll, I'll search it out. It was, some, it was not only Lee Merriweather. It was, um, hold on a second here. Let me just see here. I'll look her up. Sorry, I didn't really prepare no, for this. No, uh, I think this is... Oh, and by the way, Agnes Moorhead was the, uh, was the one who was the, uh, the witch's uh, mom. Elizabeth Montgomery's mom, Agnes Moorhead, was, was, her, was her mom. So that was... Uh, and she was the one with the, with the green eyeshadow that I just absolutely loved. So it was... Uh, Catwoman was Lee Merriweather, but there was another one. I can't remember her name. Maybe somebody will help me out on Facebook there and let me know what her name was. She was like the the Catwoman's I'm seeing all here are all the um, are all the modern. I hate the modern Batman. 
but they 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 had they were all the other ones from the the TV series. You're not a modern Batman. No. Fan? Oh wow. Except except Michael Keaton maybe. Here, full oh. cast and crew of Catwoman of uh, Batman, and you had uh, people who were the Catwoman. Let's see, directors, and then you had Burt Ward. Yeah, he was cool. Uh, Adam West, of course. Uh, you know what was great about Batman, though, was they had all the guys who were the. Uh, they had Caesar Romero and Burgess Meredith, who was the Penguin. Okay, yeah. But these were like really good actors. I mean, but they were they. But, but it was cool if you were a great actor to be able to be a villain on Batman in the in the actual Batman was series thing. was a thing. Okay. So so if you are uh, Frank Gorshin or Victor Bono or Vincent Price was in there. And uh, but no, Julie Newmar was my okay. was my thing. Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, Eartha Kitt was involved in that too. But I think Julie Newmar was my first thing. So it was Catwoman, it was uh, Marianne, and then it was the Bewitched. It was Elizabeth Montgomery. Those were the three top uh, vote getters, so to speak, as a young boy. See, I was a nineties. Yeah. Child. Well, before we get to that, though, then you had the cartoon hotness, and you, it depended on who you thought was hot in the cartoons. And there was either you were a um, you were a Betty Rubble, sure person, yeah, or you were the other uh, other woman one, the redhead, the the one with yeah his buddy, yeah. I can't remember <laughs> who they who's the who's the who's the uh, Wilma. Yeah, yeah, you were either a Wilma or yeah. a Betty. I was kind of a Betty. But Wilma had red hair, which was attractive to me. So I, but yeah, so Betty or so you're Wilma, a red hair guy, kind of, yeah. Oh, see, but, but, okay. but 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 well, not really. I don't. I've never been, you know. <laughs> uh, but I did have a girlfriend in high school with red hair. Okay, but I, I do like. Yeah, come on. Okay. So anyway, uh, it, just stop pressing me. So <laughs> Wilma and Betty. So you had Wilma and Betty, and I was kind of a Betty guy. Then uh, some people also were attracted, like for instance, on Speed Racer. Like Trixie, Trixie was kind of a hot cartoon uh, okay. person. But if you were kind of jonesing on cartoon characters, that was a little off. But if you had to go there, if you were pressed and you had to determine the hotness of the cartoon character chicks, then I would have to go with Betty and then Trixie from Speed Racer. Now there's whole conventions of people who... Are attracted to cartoon characters. It was weird back then, and now there's there are. Are you talking about the brony people? Well, like brony and like uh, (laughs) the Comic Con and all these kind of things. No, I couldn't deal with that. No, I just do it in my in the the comfort of my my home. (laughs) Be out there. I wouldn't go see Betty. (laughs) You're like it's Betty. It's Betty. (laughs) No, you're not Betty. You're not in the cartoon. You know. Oh, All right, so uh, okay, let's go to the '90s then for you, dude. Oh, see, like, so my see, nobody's even gonna know these people. That uh, some are, people we okay. we've, got, we've got some. So, like in my here. world, it was you know you had Boy Meets World, um, and yet I believe it was Topanga. I think is see these you're not even gonna know these things. No. Topanga in Boy Meets World, she was. Smoking good looking, right? You had Saved by the Bell. You had Kelly and Saved by the Bell. See, this is my era, right? Yeah, no, I like it. I like it. And then you had Rebecca in Full House. 
Okay, Come on, yeah, you see, know. I yeah. don't know any of those people. See, and I felt yeah. the same way. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I know of your people. Yeah, it's interesting though because those were people that, like the shows that you were experiencing, were, like yeah. real people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they, like they they were though. I don't know. Is there a difference between Marianne and whoever else you mentioned? Because these were like characters, whereas like Saved by the Bell and stuff was like these people are like Just, running around a house and everything. Yeah. 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 No, there is a drastic difference. These are like famous actresses that yes. appear. Yes. No, these are like, I think Kelly went on to, from Saved by the Bell, went on to be in every Lifetime movie <laughs> that was ever produced. Uh, did girls ever have like people they liked, you oh, know? Yeah. I never, but they don't ever talk about stuff like that, do they? Yes. With guys, though, do they? Yeah, of course. Oh, they do? Like, you know, girls Scott had. Scott yeah, Well, okay. girls had like. Uh, Party of Five. They had like guys in party. They had like Dawson's Creek. Yeah, but they Freddy didn't. Prince but, Jr. But like they didn't say like, "Wow, Batman was hot." They didn't. They didn't think like boys did back in the day. I think they did. Really? Yeah. Did you? All Somebody's, right. Yeah. No. 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 The comments. Are did, they, did you guys like? Did you guys? Okay, ladies. All right. I know you. I know you're out there. You. Some of you obviously are my age. So were you? Uh, really. Like, like, did you find like Batman hot, or when you saw the penguin, was he hot to you, or was the Joker sexy, or was the Professor someone you like? Okay, girls, when you were my age and you were watching Gilligan's Island, was like, did you have thoughts about like the Professor? <laughs> Or Gilligan, the way we did about Marianne and Ginger. I, I, there's no way. Oh girls, girls, I don't think we're wired that way. Like, did you like, did you really think that People the amazing. Are saying, like, Joe Cartwright from Bonanza. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay now you're getting someplace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Oh, they, yeah. Well, there was also, was Joe Cartwright Michael Landon, played by Michael Landon? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. You have, like, somebody says the monkeys. I loved Peter. Okay, okay, gotcha. Now, right, oh, so yeah, like, or, or the Partridge family, right? See, like David Cassidy. Are, yeah, come okay. on. Yeah, I got you. Okay. How you, did we so, get wait, there? now, how many of you ladies out there, when you watch the Partridge family, had the hots for Mr. Kincaid? Huh? <laughs> Talisa <laughs> so oh, says the professor was hot. <laughs> see, I told you. Some of them probably did think the professor was awesome. I can see oh that happening. Gosh. They weren't. Uh, some people were maybe. I bet you some of you girls were kind of skipper, skipper girls. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody needed a skipper, skipper in their life. Yeah, there's something about him. I don't know. I just, I just absolutely love. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. All right. Uh, Sandra is uh, going to be on her way shortly. She cool. is running for state auditor. And she is really Sandra McDowell. Happened to meet her. Where did I see her for crying out loud? Uh, oh, at the debate. I figured. And uh, met her there. And I think when it comes to the auditor's race, we have Nicole Galloway, who is on the Democratic side. Now, I'm going to set this up this way. Nicole Galloway, I have a lot of respect for. She's the only Democrat statewide office holder. She is pretty good at what she does. She is in the mold, in my opinion, of a Claire McCaskill. Okay. When, when, when I worked in TV and Claire McCaskill was state auditor, for all the things I don't like about her regarding uh, her role as a U.S. senator, 
she was a pretty darn good state auditor, I have to tell you. McCaskill was, like, right on. I actually loved working with her as state auditor because she was pithy. She was available. She was great on TV. And she was kind of a ball buster when it came to the state wow. auditor's job. And Nicole Galloway's a little like that as well. But there's something that's going on here that must be stopped. And it's going to take a good Republican to stop it. So for all of Nicole Galloway's abilities when it comes to her auditing, which, and again, I think she's done a good job. She's even gone after Nixon's office uh, for travel, that kind of thing. I think she has comported herself fairly well on uh, when it comes to the state auditor's job. But this clean Missouri thing, folks, must be stopped at all costs. And, of course, there are some Republicans who support clean Missouri. And keep in mind, the Orwellian side of us all, uh, of, of our world, sees the truth behind this thing called clean Missouri. For instance, who would not argue with a clean Missouri referendum? Because, oh, clean Missouri, does that mean clean water or that's that what clean I thought when air? You said it. Yeah. Of course. But, or does that mean uh, clean ethics? Because that's what they're trying to build this as is a, is a clean government bill. But the problem is what's steeped in the clean government bill is this basically this plan that would ultimately create more Democrats and more Democrat control of your state legislature and maybe even your congressional districts as well. Because the clean Missouri bill, which is supported by a bunch of term-limited Republicans who don't care and who are doing this because they're prostitutes for campaign donors and they want jobs afterwards and everything else. But what they're going to appoint through the clean Missouri... Now, you guys saw some of these folks with clipboards... Uh, outside of the polling places, wanting you to sign the clean Missouri bill, uh, to put it on the ballot for clean Missouri. You wanted to sign it. uh, You wanted to sign it because it was like, oh, golly, clean government and clean everything? How could you argue with clean? I'm on their website. Yeah. Is it green? You know what? No, they actually go with a blue and red look. Um, But... When you get there, it's oh, it's yeah. very interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's very American now. Yeah, uh, and, and, but, but yes, but it's it's a total sham. So you have a situation where you have uh, if you look at what what happened in uh, in Chicago with how the districts there are set up, they are set up like a a spindle or a wheel. If you guys are on Facebook right now. And you can see my hand, all right? Or why don't you do this if you're not on Facebook and uh, turn your hand upside down. Let me see. Okay, you don't have to turn your hand upside down. Look, Point your hand out and look at the palm of your hand like okay. this, okay? Like, like this. You guys doing this? Look at, and, and point your hand out and, and point your fingers spread down, Okay. Yeah. Now, slap yourself in the face. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, you, you're, you're pointing your finger down. That is, what the, that is what Cook County looks like. Okay. And the reason why it looks like that is if you look at the palm of your hand as being a, the Democrat center of Chicago, right? Okay. Now, your fingers 
are the redistricted portions of suburban Chicago. Okay. And your fingers are how they they manage to get the Democrat control of Cook County and therefore Democrat control of the state legislature in, in Springfield is that they took Republican districts, redistricted them, and 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 created like these thin lines that go into from Democrat Chicago that go into suburban Chicago so that you have these it's, it's uh, well okay I'll, I'll visualize it this way if you have a tree and the tree there's a, there's a tree trunk and then there are the roots sure so if you look at how they will plan to redistrict Missouri is they'll take for instance a Jackson County and indeed I guarantee you St. Louis County and what they'll do is they'll read or St. Louis City, they'll redistrict so that they have these thin lines of Democrat districts that sneak into Republican mm. districts and upset the ability of a Republican to take over. So you have just enough of that little thin line going down, slinking down into the, the district. So that it that there becomes a solid Democrat line within the district. It's like having a, it's like injecting Democrats sure. into a district. That's how they do this. So the Clean Missouri uh, Act, which is why you absolutely, first of all, do not sign the petition, and secondly, if it does make it to the ballot, I'm not quite sure it has yet. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, you need to vote against it because what what the Clean Missouri bill does is it calls for a so-called state demographer to be within the state auditor's office for some reason. Oh, I know what the reason is, because the state auditor's office is the only one controlled by a Democrat. I get it. Because why would you otherwise put a demographer Mm. and give the demographer an office in the only Democrat-controlled statewide office if you weren't up to something. So the demographer would then, by the way, that must be a job, huh? <laughs> what do you do? I'm a state demographer. I'm like, oh, really? How, how'd you get that job? Yeah, I just know some people. I don't even know what it is. So anyway, these are demographers. And what they'll do is they'll be the ones who start to compile stats about demographics and that kind of thing. And at that point then, they become th- this information is used to redistrict. It's gerrymandering, right? Absolutely. So uh, they redistrict, and they will basically then create. I guarantee you. Well, the fear is it'll create districts like they do in Cook County. All you have to do is look at that map and look what they did there, and they basically seal the deal so that even suburban Chicago, even though it has plenty of Republicans in it. The the ability of a Republican to kind of just take the district yeah. is like look at Ann Wagner's district, for instance, which covers a lot of uh, near West County, that whole area, the Parkway area, that kind of thing. Right now, it's pretty it's it's fairly half and half. I mean, Ann Wagner is going to have a formidable, formidable Democrat opponent in this race. And I'm surprised a little bit that she didn't have a Republican one. I think some people are regretting that, given how so many of the uh, grassroots Republicans are making so much headway 
all over the country. Texas, we explained to you, in two congressional districts on in Tuesday's primaries, uh, they they the 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 the, the, the Republican chosen golden boy right. uh, went down in flames. And so you're in a situation where uh, – and, and then we saw the latest poll showing that Austin Peterson does far better against Claire McCaskill than Josh Hawley does. And that's a recent poll. And that just shows you that hand-picked Republicans aren't really no. in favor right now, even as you watch Paul Ryan possibly running out the door. So anyway, if this happens where you have the state – demographer and you have redistricting, there's a good chance that they will plot. And keep in mind, Republicans aren't your friends either in this thing because they're supporting this clean Missouri thing. I can see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of course you can. Is is, uh, Schaff, Rob Schaff and Kathy Conway and all these people. They're keeping the the people involved pretty quiet, but you can... uh, Nimrad Chapel Jr. is the treasurer for it. It's out of Kansas City is where they're running this uh, clean. But when you look at it, I'll Person just say it was Nimrad? Nimrad. Spell that. Yeah. N I M. Sorry, Nimrod. N I M R O D. Nimrod Chapel Jr. It'd be great if if Nimrod's <laughs> assistant was named Portnoy. I will say when you look at the... By the way, it is not on the ballot yet. Right. It has not made it to that yet. They're trying to yes. get it there. It needs to be killed. And, and I will say, when you look at this, it definitely has... Conservatives would be tempted... To say, of course oh, they would. This is a this is a conservative. Well, because it's they're passing it off as a good government bill. Yeah, that's exactly but, what but it looks like. All it is is a Trojan horse for mm. redistricting. Yeah, because everything about it is all about eliminating lobbyists uh-huh. and and uh, lowering campaign contribution, which doesn't necessarily play into the conservative role. Of course, but, it doesn't. Uh, no, it's, it's anti speech. Anti speech. And yeah. you know what? So is eliminating lobbyists. Because here's Absolutely. the deal, and again, one to, to, to my point, because right now it's kind of like fashionable to attack lobbyists. But the reality is, first of all, there are many people who utilize lobbyists to prevent the government from further suffocating them. It's not just for people to get a piece of the governmental pie, right. which actually you do have lobbyists doing that. But a lot of people do need lobbyists to keep the government off their asses sometimes. I mean, well, you have to, you have to have lobbyists. The NRA. I mean, the NRA. Exactly. If it wasn't for them and, their, and the lobbyists at the NRA, uh, a 100% by now, we would have a... The weakest. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Second Amendment would be basically gone yes, at this point. Absolutely would. And and one of the problems, one of the reasons why we have so many lobbyists, is because we have such a big government. And the federal government, the more it grows, the more you have people either trying to get a piece of the pie, yeah. or prevent the government from from suffocating them to a certain degree because of other people who want a bigger piece of the pie. So you do have that going for you. But if you were oh, – Sandra's outside. So if uh, Matt, can you run out and get Sandra for me, buddy? Thank you, man. By the way, we need interns for the summer. Yes. Just so people know that. RFA interns. And RFA interns. If you want to be an intern uh, so that our engineer doesn't have to go out and get the guests, then, then more than happy to have that happen. We're growing. If you have – 
a kid in college that's, you know, getting their journalism degree or getting their, you know, mass communications or anything like that, uh, tell them, uh, have them email info at radiofreealmond.com. Uh, cause what better place to be if you want to learn how it's done, right. be right here. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great experience and we, uh, would love to have you here. So anyway, we'll, yeah. we'll, anyway, we'll tie this up because, because Sandra will talk more about this directly. Uh, but that is why, even if you do think that Nicole Galloway is doing a pretty good job and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, again, I just laid it out there that, you know, she's not the worst auditor in the world. But the reality is she is a Democrat and she does support this clean Missouri baloney. And you guys, this, this is a hugely, hugely important issue uh, facing uh, Missouri right now. And you got to make sure that you uh, you take care of this and, and, and get somebody in there, maybe like Sandra, who is going to run interference for this. Like, let's say even if it does, for instance, in, in the worst-case scenario, pass, if it reaches the yeah. ballot, then you got to have somebody in there who is making sure that whatever nefarious uh, plans these people have, they need to be stopped. So we'll take a uh, quick break. And then we're going to go ahead with uh, Sandra McDowell, who will be on with us, and we'll uh, check it out with her.
You know, we've talked about how lucky we are these days to have so many great Republican candidates that are, in my opinion, different. I mean, I've been around for a while and so much different than the Republican candidates we grew up with, which always tend to be kind of these milk toasty, slow, low energy, Jeb Bushy people. And, you know, uh, yeah, I, I get it. You know, Polo is a great brand, but okay, enough of that for a little bit here. And, and, and we, we used to call them the country club Republicans. 100%. And again, nothing wrong with country clubs, by the way. I know a lot of people who are but but you know what I'm talking about. But people who just simply were not did weren't seemingly with it and didn't have the passion. And earlier we talked about Austin Peterson and how his passion is now paying off. This poll, which even though it's a poll of 822 people, it is basically a telephone recorded poll. Blah blah blah. It's called Maris Marketing, and, and they did the poll. But you can't if you're Hawley or you're Peterson or you're McCaskill or you're a voter, you can't ignore these numbers, which show in a head-to-head matchup that Josh Hawley has 50% in a matchup to Claire McCaskill to her 43. And then you have Austin Peterson matchup with Claire McCaskill, which has him at 56 to her 40. You could do the math there. Margin of error, about 4%. But the bottom line is, Ultimately, the tortoise and the hare fable is kind of playing out here. And the person who I wouldn't describe uh, <laughs> Austin Peterson as a tortoise by, by, or, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but he is steady and he's a fighter and he's been passionate. He's been ground level and he's been grassroots and that's been paying off for him. Whereas uh, the hare, who has been appointed by the Republican Party as the, as the nominee, is now seeing the results of a dispassionate approach to this office, and uh, that's on him, not on us. I'm not. I don't hate. He may Josh not even Hawley. want it. I, I, he, sometimes he doesn't seem like he wants it. Anyway, w- one of the people that we had the pleasure of meeting at the debate a couple of Fridays ago, and thank you again to Missouri First uh, and 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 for uh, PAC for your passion and your dedication to. Elimination when it comes to the Republican Senate candidates, and we saw five of them. Holly wasn't there, but we saw five of them, distinct personalities, all really good people. I mean, that was what was great to see. Even though you might have your preferences, you can't argue with the fact that every every single one of these candidates had a certain level of personality and energy that somebody could appreciate somewhere down the line. So that was great to, to be able to see them. So if you are passionate yourself and you're running for uh, another office or whatever, I did meet a couple of people there, then wouldn't you want to be there? Yes, you would. And that's where I had the pleasure of meeting Sandra McDowell, who was running on the Republican side for Missouri State Auditor. And she just happens to have come down to the studio. She's not even from St. Louis, for crying out loud, but making her rounds around the state of Missouri. And is now we have the pleasure of having her in the flesh here. Sandra, hi. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. It was really great to, uh, to to see you. You came up and you had, and it was just like this bright spot in the evening. And you came up and said, "Hey, I'm running for state auditor. I'd love to be on your show. Love to talk to you and that kind of thing." And that's like, who could argue with that kind of passion? But also, who could argue with 
your background, first of all, which I want to get to, because you were in the military, correct? Correct. What branch? I was in the Air Force. Wow. For uh, active duty for six years and then two years in the reserves. Okay. And you grew up in Oklahoma? I I did. I I left uh, when I was 19 and joined the military and traveled to a lot of different states. And I was in med tech, so I was mostly at hospitals around different bases. Um, I went in the reserve so I could finish school because I always knew I wanted to go to law school. Um, But then that was during the time when BRAC was happening where they were closing a lot of the bases. And Mm -hmm. so they kept trying to deploy me. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get through law school with continual deployments. Um, so I ended up getting out and going to law school and that's where I met my husband. Uh-huh. He's from Missouri. So, um, we came back here to raise our family and, uh, we've lived, uh, in Kansas city, Springfield, and now we're in Jefferson city. And you worked in the AG's office, correct? I did. Yes. I started in the Springfield office and then I was transferred to the Medicaid fraud unit and all Medicaid fraud goes out of Cole County. So that's why we ended up moving to Jeff city, which was why even when it comes to, uh, the state auditor's job, Someone like you would be great because you've had the experience of actually doing real auditing, especially as it relates to protecting taxpayer dollars. Correct. I did. Uh, I led auditors and investigators looking into Medicaid fraud. So we would we would audit Medicaid providers who were billing the system, and we would look into their billing to make sure they were billing appropriately. And if not, then we would make them pay that back. And if it was fraudulent, then we would prosecute them. Right. So when we, I've talked earlier about. Uh, Nicole Galloway being the only statewide Democrat office holder in the state, and uh, she was she's been a formidable auditor. But the reality is, though, you do need people who are not only aggressive, but you also need someone in there who has the interests at heart of Missouri as it relates to this clean government, the clean Missouri bill. Yeah. Which, if you just looked at it, and a lot of people have. Of course you're going to sign a petition that says, oh, clean Missouri, clean government? Of course. Uh, Get rid of perks and meals and lobbyists and things. Oh, yeah, campaign contributions. Yeah, and there are unfortunately a lot of Republicans who support this for whatever reason. I can't imagine. I have my (laughs) suspicions. But they support this thing. So the petitions, we told you not to sign them, and you people didn't sign them. But somebody else did. Ugh. And so you're not to blame for this, but somebody else signed them. And Sandra came in uh, as she walked in this morning and had the update for us that indeed it was certified to oh. be on the ballot, correct? It looks like it from what I saw on the Clean Missouri website. They've gotten enough. Mm-hmm. And I knew they would. I mean, I think they probably got more than enough just to make sure that all of the, the signatures were valid uh, because it is. It, it, it's a, a facade of transparency. And so when they're telling people to sign this, of course, like you said, everybody wants a clean Missouri. And so they sign it. And and uh, and it, I think a lot of what they're doing on there as well with like the, specifically for me, the redistricting issue, they don't even really tell people that it's the auditor's office that has has that power. They say that it's a third party that's a nonpartisan, but the auditor, what they fail to tell people is that the auditor is the one that selects that third party right. to redistrict. The, the so-called demographer. And, 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 if, and, and how is it possible that, first of all, I, I, can't, I know there's probably a reason for it, but I can't figure it out in terms of why the auditor's office would oversee a demographer. But you have to say that alarm bells go off when it just so happens the demographer will be in the only office currently held by a Democrat. And you're thinking, um, something's not right here, especially since we know, and I tried to explain this earlier, Sandra, and I'm not quite sure how successful I was in trying to uh, explain to people, like, for instance, just to look at the Cook County map uh, in Chicago and see how when they redistricted, they managed, and this was amazing, 
they managed to solidify Democrat control of the entirety of Cook County, even though there are Republican districts outside of the Chicago metro area, but they managed to still create a Democrat enclave in Cook County simply by doing the very same thing I guarantee you this demographer will do, and that is create that little spindle, that little uh, hand model where you have the fingers going down from the urban areas. Yeah, I think that's their plan. Um, We really, and I know a lot of people don't know what the auditor's office does or really care about the auditor's office, but now more than ever, we should care about the auditor's office because if the auditor has control over this, they could do exactly what you're saying, Um, but it's it's to me it's it's a strategy that the Democrats have and you know, I've heard rumors that Soros is behind it or or whoever you know big money and the reason is because that is the only Democrat office that's left they're hoping to keep that control there um, you know Nicole is a CPA she um, she's already been doing the job and I think she could easily ride the coattails of McCaskill McCaskill's got tons and tons of money so that's why it's important from what you've been talking about the Senate right race is to get the best candidate in there to beat McCaskill because Nicole could easily stay in. If McCaskill does, which then gives the redistricting power to the auditor's office. Um, And so it could just be very it could be devastating for our state. Um, They could literally whatever they need to do to get more Democrats in office is what they will do. If they if they do it similar to Chicago, that would be one way. But they could also literally take one county in St. Louis and merge it with a little small county down in the Springfield area. And, and that make is it possible. More, yes, it yeah, is. You could take that. You, you well. You could take, for instance, uh, a, a. You could go out to West County and do the spindle. Uh, I was just right say, into yeah. into the Springfield area, whatever it happened. You you could do all, especially even St. Charles County. You could pretty much water down, and it's not just. It's not necessarily turning it automatically into Democrat strongholds, but what happens is it just makes it that much more difficult. Like, for instance, I do know that Ann Wagner's district, if you really wanted to kind of mess around with that, you could probably uh, sneak in some Democrats into that area there or do whatever. But you re- really, it's about the state legislature and everything else that you would be turning over, correct? Correct. And I think that they could really target which um, politicians they would want to get out of office to. Maybe some of our stronger politicians, they might want to do that, like Ann Wagner. Um, so that's going to be, and again, I mean, I, I don't think Nicole is a strong candidate, um, but I think that she could easily be puppeteered by people over her to be able to tell her you know, where this redistricting needs to happen. And and that's the problem with having it in an office like the auditor's office, because that office should be very nonpartisan and nonpolitical. And this immediately politicizes that office to give them this power. And you're going to have people, you know, if you're a Republican, you have the GOP. If you're Democrats, you have, you know, the people over them that are wanting you to do certain things. And you've got to be tough to be able to stand up against that. And I just don't know if I'd want to put that on any auditor. I don't, I don't even want that myself. If I, if I, hopefully I, I win this position. Uh, and if I do, I'm going to do everything I can to get that back out of the auditor's office. because I don't think that's the place it should be. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you, you, the writing is really on the wall about Nicole Galloway, as you point out. Now I've met Nicole Galloway, interviewed her before. I have no reason to believe somehow that she's corrupt or whatever, but let's face it. You're the only Democrat statewide office holder. Uh, you're almost kind of already appointed as the successor <laughs> of, you know, at least in the in the realm of the female power Democrats, that kind of thing. And frankly, you're just, you're also human, and you're going to do what is good for you in terms of moving things along, or, or at the very least, you're certainly not going to go against. 
what somebody wants you to do, specifically people in positions like Claire McCaskill is, whatever. One of the things that you also point out about the nonpartisanship nature of the state auditor's office is you have worked with Democrats in, 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 in when you were working with the AG's office, correct? You were kind of mingling I mean, you were in state government. Sure, yeah. At the AG's office, um, we have both Republicans and Democrat attorneys there. I mean, there's 200 and some people. When people think that, you know, Coster was who I worked under, that Coster, now Hawley, is the one that's actually taking these cases to court. But that's very rare that the actual attorney general would really litigate any cases at the AG's office. They have all their assistant attorney generals doing that. And so you've got a good mix of both there. And then from the AG's office, I was picked up as the director of enforcement for the securities division under Secretary of State Ashcroft. And uh, and that's not, I mean, you think that, again, you think that it's all Republicans in an office because Secretary Ashcroft came in, but there's Democrats there as well. Um, you know, you don't just go in and, and clean out the whole Secretary of State's office. Right, You've got people right. that are still fr- from there before. And it is Jeff City. It is the state government. So everybody kind of knows each other in Jeff City. People mm. move around down there. It's a small community, really, when you look at it. And so you hear a lot about what's going on at the auditor's office when you live in Jeff City and about all the problems that they do have there. And so I really think that with my knowledge, with my experience with the Medicaid fraud and securities fraud. I mean, I led an entire team of investigators looking into securities fraud, which people don't know this, but but St. Louis, being in Missouri, is the second biggest financial industry in the nation under New York. And so you have a lot of securities fraud here, which I didn't realize that till I got in into the Secretary of State's office. So I've been doing this for actually longer than Nicole Galloway's been doing her job. I've been leading auditors and investigators for almost four years, and she's only been doing it since Tom Schweik passed away about three years now. So I have more experience than she does, and and I think that I could really get in there and fix that office to, to make it what it needs to be, what it should be, and what it really could be for Missouri. It could help in so many ways with helping with the budget, helping with um, looking into funds, making sure that they're um, used efficiently and appropriately. I really want to try to do more than really any state auditor has done in the past. And that's an important thing because I, I guess when it comes to being able to be passionate about what you're doing, people always I don't know whether you're getting this when you're traveling around the state, whether people realize how important the state auditor's office is. And I think some people are like their eyes glazed over, but they don't realize <laughs> that, man, you can have a huge amount of impact as I didn't a state auditor. It. Yeah. Uh, and, and particularly if you're an honest one yeah. and, and, you're, and you're making headway without any kind of partisan flair, you're actually going after things on the basis of what you perceive as good government. Then yeah, you could you could when you go around the state, are you getting the impression from people like that you have to convince them that <laughs> yeah. they have to care about the state auditor's too. job? Uh, yeah, I, I have to actually explain a lot of what the auditor's office does to people as well, and then what my plan is uh, once I get in there. And and I do see gla- glazed eyes a little, bit. <laughs> 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 but I, to me, I mean, I think because. I enjoy what I do, and I really have a passion to investigate fraud and look into it and actually fix problems. I think people start getting excited as I talk to them about it, and they can see my passion, and they can see my drive. And so it kind of gets them excited, which makes me happy to see people get excited because I'm not – I don't think I'm real nerdy, but I really enjoy <laughs> oh, doing yeah. this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, it's good. It, be, being both passionate and nerdy is a good thing. <laughs> it is a good thing. Uh, we need more people like that, <laughs> yes. right? I mean, that's, you know, 
I, well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I tell my kids this. Uh, well, at least, you know, when, when kids get into middle school and stuff like that. Do you have babies at all? Uh, I do. Actually, shout out to my first set of twins. It's their birthday today. Oh, nice. uh, Yes. I have uh, for, my first set are five today. And then our second set that we had a year later, they're going to be four in a couple months. And then we have baby Jack, who's two. Wow. Look at you. Uh, little yeah. fi- five, five kids? Five kids, but all under the age of five? They, yeah, they have been under, under the age of four. <laughs> and as of today, all under the age of five. Wow. Wow, amazing. amazing. Where's the twin part come from, you or your husband? Well, um, they say that it's the woman's side that determines oh. that, but I don't have twins in my family, so oh, um, right. So I don't know. I think it's just that is little yeah. blessings. Amazing. Oh, nice. Well, happy birthday to yeah, them. And your, your you. home base is where again? Uh, Jeff City. Jeff City, okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always tell the kids, though, uh, well, when they get into middle school, I told my older kids this, t- telling Aiden this thing. Uh, when they when if they if they dare even use the term nerd, okay, right. which is you know which is you know kind of sometimes used disparagingly, and I told Aiden I said, but that iPhone you're on right now, that computer you're on, that video game you're playing, that car that we're taking you to school in. Nerds built that. Absolutely, they did. Yeah, I'm just telling you. I mean, ner- nerds came up with that idea, even regardless of what Barack Obama will say. Uh, nerds, in fact, did in fact come up with that idea. Just you so you know, that. Yeah. somebody else made that happen. So, just you need to like a nerd, <laughs> especially a creative one and a passionate one. That's yeah, for sure. That is that is awesome, and it is good to hear that. And I am glad to hear that you are going around the state. So what are you doing right now with campaigning? I mean, I I take it there is a level of campaigning there from what it sounds like. And how can people support you? What, What can people do? Well, I've been, uh, like Jamie was saying, I've been going around the state to all the Lincoln Days events and just getting in with the local Republican clubs, talking with as many voters as I can, getting the support, getting the voter support, um, and because that's how you win, honestly. I mean, I know everyone talks about it's money, 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 but I, I hate that that's the case, and I, it is still the case that you have to have money, but you also have to have, to have the votes. So that's where I started, and so those are over now. Um, I went to, I think, almost 40 of those, oh. and uh, and now it's fundraising. I have fund- fundraisers set up in, in all the different cities. Good thing that I've lived in so many different cities in, in Missouri because I know a lot of people in all the different cities. Um, so getting donations in is the big, big thing right now. And then it's fairs, ice cream socials, barbecues. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, well, then you will be most welcome at the Radio Free Almond Bash that we're having in St. Peter's, which is on the 9th of June. I don't know whether you can make it up yeah, there. Yeah, great. Welcome I'll try to, to make come that. Up there, but, sure. Uh, but can I bring the kids? There's five absolutely. of them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it's going to be a Dude. kid-friendly environment. It's going to be a ton of fun, and uh, we might even have some lemonade stands up there so the kids can, <laughs> can hang out with f- future yeah. entrepreneurs. You never know. But, Willie, really, it was great to meet you. Thanks for saying hello with the debate, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the world go round. We're, and we have a lot of people, the people who you're talking to right now are people who are avid consumers of information. They're very passionate about what they do. They're hugely plugged in. They like hearing from people for an extended period of time, like we were able to talk to you today. And you're, you're, talk, you're basically talking to a lot of the people who are movers, shakers, passionate, and who vote and who know what good things are. No doubt about so it. Just so you know. Yeah, and people yeah. were really glad to be able to hear you talk. And uh, and learn about you because a lot of people had no, yeah. no clue. Well, let so. me ask you this: Have you? Uh, and I've t- I've talked to other candidates about this, even the Senate candidates. 
when I asked them, like, the, have you been interviewed by, like, other state, like, do other stations, like, does mainstream media talk to you guys? Do they, 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 I mean, I'm sure in Springfield and Jeff City, at least, they probably show a little passing interest. But in some of the other areas, are, do you sense that the media is actually interested in this race? I think they're kind of getting there. I mean, I have had, um, I've had some communication with different radio, uh, radio shows around the state, and I have interviews set up with them. Um, not so much TV yeah. really, um, but radio is kind of the only thing that has reached out to me now. Um, you know, the Missouri times and, and, um, Missouri viewpoints. I was on that pretty early yeah. uh, and they were trying, they see, and he said he was trying to get the other candidates on. Um, so I, I don't know why there's not more of it mm-hmm. actually, but maybe it's just still early. Yeah. Right. Well, and thank you for your service in the air force. Thank yeah. you. I really I appreciate, appreciate that. I actually enjoyed it a lot. The military yeah. really taught me a lot of things that you really can't learn unless you are you know in in the military and and serve your country and it really has shaped what i want to do with my future and that's why i want to continue to serve and serve as an ex-missouri state auditor did you and tony minetti geek out over uh, airplanes or anything when you were at the- <laughs> we kind of did when i first met him it was at the capitol and he had his <laughs> he had his big um bomber jacket on and i could tell someone was talking to him and i hadn't announced yet that i was running i was still working for the secretary of state's office and still making the decision kind of and uh and met him and right away we clicked like that because you know air force people are just we're all kind of one in the same oh, yeah. so it's really neat to talk and every time you talk to somebody else in the military you always share your stories and you get to know them very quickly because of that yeah. so yes yes with tony it was really easy and so from there all the u.s senate candidates are so great like yeah. you said i mean we've got some great ones and they're all so different but they're all really great people yeah and so it's really it, it's it's fun that i get to go around the state and see all of them all the times so i've really gotten to um you know get to know them and have a connection with each one um but it's it's going to be tough you know when i when i do see who wins in the primary because it's it's going to be sad for all the other ones because I like all of them so much. Yeah, you know, when you're doing the debate, it was kind of fun because it would they, they were very entertaining in their own little way. <laughs> yeah. and, and normally you think of a Republican debate or even a Democrat debate for that matter as being kind of this boring slot. But you know what? What's amazing is that it was very long yeah. because we did have people answering questions, that kind of asking questions, that kind of thing. It was almost three hours long, and I saw maybe a couple people leave because they had to go get the kids from baseball sure. or do whatever. But for the most part, it was a Friday night. Everybody pretty much sat in their chairs, their seats the entire time. It was that compelling and that interesting. So yeah. to your point, yeah, yeah it's it, some, we just I, I love in the atmosphere right it now. It was good, and I didn't even realize it was three hours long. I stayed the whole time too, but it went pretty quickly because yeah. it was entertaining. Yeah, no doubt. Well, thanks for coming in. Thank you thanks for having for me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you asked me to come on, and, and I uh, really enjoyed it too. The yeah. studio is wonderful, and uh, and I'm just excited to be here. So yeah. thanks. Well, you're welcome anytime, and then uh, come on out. We'll, we'll give you more information about the uh, the big palooza we're having. The throwdown palooza we're throw calling it. Because it's yeah. kind of a barbecue, but it's not really one because we have food trucks there who might be barbecuing, but, you know, it's <laughs> We'll just, have to come to find yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. We're using barbecue kind of loosely you know, as one of those. But we're, it's still going to be a ton of fun. But I'll make sure I give you all the details Sounds so you can good. be out there. Sounds good. I'll try to be there. And happy birthday to the twins. Yes. Thank you. That's great. Well, you got your hands full, you and you and Daddy do. I'll tell you that. It's well, fun. I have a great husband. He, uh, if, if I didn't have him, I don't. I think I'd probably be bald. I would have pulled out <laughs> all my hair. But he's been wonderful and uh, and uh, takes care of so much that you know more than than a typical you know husband really does. He goes to the grocery store for me, pays all the bills, and then he works you know more than forty hours a week every week. So Good just, for yeah, him. It's great. Just so you know, 
on Facebook, you won some votes today. So yeah. a lot of people are commenting that you they ha- you've got their vote. So awesome. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate the support. And if you do want to find out anything more about me, you can visit my website at SandraMcDowellForMissouri.com. I also have a Facebook page and Twitter, McDowell for Mo, that you can follow me on. And um, and my my uh, information's on there, my phone number you can call. And it's my campaign phone, but it's in my purse, and I answer that. So anytime Amazing. you have questions, just give me a call. I'm open. All right. Safe travel, Sandra McDowell. And we'll put your website there in the comment section yep. so people can check it out. And really appreciate you uh, getting down here. We love seeing our people live. So, Sandra McDowell, good luck. Thank you. Doug Giles is on the way, too. What do you all think of Sandra McDowell? I thought she was awesome. And, you know, to tell you the truth, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't really get too into the whole gender thing necessarily. 
Uh, but it does help sometimes when, for instance, because what happens ultimately is you you have a situation where uh, you know since since she is the only uh, Democrat statewide office holder, you're in a situation where well you know. Uh, she's a woman, and it'd be terrible to kick a woman out of office. And the only thing but but you know, it's all, so that's sometimes why it's really good to also have another formidable female candidate like that. I'm not saying it matters necessarily, but I'm not trying to play that game. But you know what I'm kind of talking about there. Totally. It, it, for whatever reason, people always try to pull this. You know, oh, they're being mean to Nicole Galloway thing. It's like, just no. Did the Nancy Pelosi? Mr. Giles, Doug Giles, it's Jamie Allman here in St. Louis. We call the right number. Perfect number. Okay, good. I'm hearing you loud and freaking clear. That's for sure. Uh, hey, buddy, listen, congratulations on the Acorn and the Firestorm trailer. And I realize that although uh, you kind of were only half responsible for the creation of Hannah, but I will tell you, this is an awesome one. If you don't mind indulging me, I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for Acorn and the Firestorm, the trailer, and it's currently now streaming. In 2008, a scandal brought down a giant among community organizers when a secret video recording went viral. A prostitute walks into Acorn seeking housing for her brothel. This was a potential firestorm. The premise of the videos was misleading. You don't see the lie to the whole episode. We didn't work for 40 years just to let somebody run over us. Acorn and the Firestorm. Part of Independent Lens on PBS. Well, first of all, I have to say that it's really kind of cool that PBS actually is airing the program. I mean, you'd think of anybody that maybe someone like that would want to cover that up. But I'm very impressed, and I've seen pretty much most of it. And, man, it is great. And, by the way, I do believe, although maybe your wife wouldn't say this, I don't know, but I think Hannah kind of looks like her daddy. I don't know. I'm just saying. Oh, God. No, she looks uh, just like Mary Margaret, man. Okay. All right. I, I, well, I don't know. For whatever reason, I saw a little Doug Giles in Hannah. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, speaking no, she, of- she actually has eyebrows. I don't have uh, <laughs> eyebrows, okay. you know. I'm like Whoopi Goldberg and Brian Kilmeade. <laughs> <laughs> All together. Uh, before we get to the, the meat of the acorn, uh, the firestorm part of it, though, because I know that that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, right now, we're already uh, – Doug Giles is going to be wheels up from Austin on the 8th of June. I've got the books all coming. They're going to be delivered. And then we're going to have the uh, book signing, everything else. It's going to be at the Missouri Athletic Club West, which is going to be great. And that's going to be from 530 to 8 or so. We'll figure we might mess with the time there. Next day, barbecue, 12 to 6. Doug's wheels up again from St. Louis back to Austin around that time. But still, he's going to be around, too, for, for the part of that day. And we're going to have some fun, buddy. And it's going to be great to see you in one of the books he will be signing is Raising Righteous and Rowdy Girls, and Hannah certainly fits that bill, but he also is going to be signing Pacification and Rules for Radical Christians. So we're looking forward to it, man. Really excited. Snowflakes will be melting, Jamie. Yes, indeed, buddy. I I guarantee, especially in the hot sun of St. Louis, although it gets hot down there, too. So Acorn and the Firestorm, it's now streaming, correct? Uh, Yeah, uh, starting, what, May 22nd, which I believe was yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, on PBS, and uh, like you said, it's um, it's a it's an interesting uh, 
platform, PBS, Habit, uh, the, the producers, Ruben Atlas and Sam Pollard, uh, they are not conservatives. Uh, Hannah, after she decimated Acorn, uh, showing them with her undercover videos, giving home loans for whorehouses for underage sex slaves from El Salvador, uh, which is the only time that uh, both the House and Senate during Obama's uh, two terms of terror ever unanimously and bipartisanly uh, agreed on anything, and that was to defund ACORN overwhelmingly. Um, uh, they came to Hannah, uh, uh, Jamie and Ryan, they came to Hannah as liberals. Um, Ruben's dad uh, used to work for ACORN in New York City, and so he grew up for 40 years here, and ACORN's perfect, ACORN's wonderful, ACORN's crap doesn't stink. And then all of a sudden he sees Hannah's uh, investigations like, OMG, man, I've never, <laughs> I've never heard this song uh, ever whistled before. And uh, Hannah's been approached, uh, I think I told you this before, by uh, huge movie deals. I've watched her turn down humongous book deals, uh, big movie deals, and uh, not just docs, but you know, full-on features, because she didn't want to get pitched as this uh, right-wing conservative songbird. She did that investigation based on its corruption, not it being liberal, not it being black, not it being, you know, helping, quote unquote, poor people. Uh, she saw them corrupt. She saw them shake down banks with the subprime mortgage loans. Uh, she saw what they did in uh, voter registration fraud in the 2008 election. And uh, when she was doing her internship uh, with the Cato Institute when she was 19, she took a deep dive into one of the uh, the neighborhoods uh, doing her her uh, afternoon runs, and she saw hookers by Acorn Housing, and that's where she got the idea. If I dress like a hooker, would they give me a home loan? Wow! And uh, you know, Reuben and Sam, uh, the producers of it, they treated her fairly, and uh, and this pitches the story perfectly, because again, it's not. And us versus them. It's not, you know, right wing. Let's just stick it, you know, to these uh, this this quote unquote organization that helps the poor. She just did it because they were corrupt, man. man. And uh, look, if uh, crap's crap, no matter uh, whether a leftist or a conservative frames it. I and love that's what, it. Uh, yeah, I, I love the background on that because I was going to ask you how she was on to this, but the idea that she, she – it goes all the way back. She's 19, working for the Cato Institute, and just happens to catch on to something that is, like, really mystifying to her. And lo and behold, we have this and, and, and the tearing down of this racketeering operation known as Acorn. It's amazing, the trajectory here. I'm, 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 it's, it's incredible, buddy, and – and congratulations to her. And 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 really, honestly, it's it really is cool that an outfit like PBS finally my tax dollars are being used for something productive. Is is Acorn Doug? Are they still active as an organization? I mean, I see they their website still up. Are they an active organization still? No, they they splintered and uh, decentralized and fragmented into I don't know you know, 40, 50 other groups. This one guy said one time, he goes, well, he goes, you know, Acorn still exists. It's just not called Acorn anymore. Mm -hmm. I go, well, it went bankrupt and lost $8.5 billion in stimulus money that was, uh, that was going to be afforded to it. And they would be in charge of the census. They would have completely flipped uh, America. Uh, I don't think we'd ever probably see uh, a Republican uh, conservative president again, if they would have stayed in power. 
And, uh, of course, you know, when, uh, when evil gets smacked in the head, they mutate. And so, uh, but ACORN as the organization that lorded over the United States and, uh, shook down the private sector and banks and, uh, and did these huge bogus and specious voter registration drives during the presidential election, that thing's over. Yeah. And, uh, Yes. And it was just because of those videos, man. Yeah. And I got to tell you, Jay, when I saw, uh, I remember I was getting ready for, I was writing a book. If you're going through hell, keep going, which is funny because <laughs> when those acorn videos were released, we started going through hell. Yeah, like, sure. You can't even imagine. You can't even yeah. imagine. So I'm, I'm prepping for the, uh, for my book tour and, uh, and Hannah and I hadn't seen each other, hadn't really even communicated. And then we eat lunch at our house in uh, Miami and she opens up the laptop and she plays that Baltimore video, big dog. And I started seeing uh, those those Acorn employees coach her through uh, crime after crime after crime to set up uh, her whorehouse. Oh, let's just call it entertainment. Let's call it what you do dancing. And they showed how to bring in teenagers, wow. teenagers, man, from El Salvador uh, to be sex slaves. And I, when I saw that, I was like, holy crap, do you have backup on this? And after that, I hung up the phone. I called uh, all of our private security uh, buddies that I know in, in Miami when we lived there back then. And I, and man, I'm telling you what, the firestorm hit our house, death threats. Uh, we had to get outfitted in these, uh, at these weird hotels with Kevlar. We had, uh, cops calling us into the office saying, listen, there's chatter about your whole family. Wow. And whew, yeah, man. Yeah, this is this is the sweet liberal organization that helps poor people. That said that to kill my daughter and jam a broom handle up her. You know what? You know, and wow. that's what we're getting on our unlisted phone. And this is what we're getting on our unlisted phone numbers and our cell phones. Hannah would call her buddy, and then when she would hang up her phone, CNN would call her buddy trying to get Hannah um, to come on their program. Wow. That's how jacked it was, man. Yeah, well, they, they put they, now. Now it turns out they probably got help from Brennan in his outfit <laughs> with your unlisted number. Who knows? I, speak- oh, and uh, speaking, here's another thing. Uh, all my Facebook messages gone. Wait, right now or back then? No, back then when uh, the wow. acorn uh, was hitting the fan. Took yeah. it, took it all. That's amazing. Hey, by the way, you mentioned evil. And uh, did you see this story? Because this ties a little bit into rules for radical Christians, and I'll get to that if you give me a second here. Uh, There is an MS-13 gang member (laughs) who's been convicted and sentenced to prison for murdering a 15-year-old boy. And his name, uh, his nickname just happens to be Animal. And Doug had a great little video that he made regarding the accusation somehow animal is a horrible term to use because if you had to attack President Trump for using the word animal, you would also summarily have to attack Jesus himself because these guys had some choice words for people who were in their midst who were doing harm. It was a great video, and maybe we could just simply post that up on our Facebook page for people to see. Yeah, I love it when Nancy Pelosi's like, you know, Donald Trump, he's he's (laughs) saying that these kids don't have a spark of divinity and, and he's humiliating them. It's like Jesus called a woman a dog. 
He said, look, I don't yeah. throw what's holy <laughs> to, to dogs. dogs. Yeah. And, uh, the, and here's the lady. Here's the lady. She said, well, hey, dogs uh, will eat the crumbs that fall off the master's table. And Jesus said, hey, you're right. You're not an offended little snowflake. Your faith has made you whole. <laughs> you added yeah. that part. <laughs> <laughs> he might, he might, I mean, there's no, there's, there's, he could have used the term snowflake. snowflake. <laughs> I mean, you know. Could have been some other word for it or yeah. something like that. Yeah, and, and Jesus said, "Listen, don't throw uh, what's holy to swine." Yeah. And uh, uh, Saint Peter, you know, uh, I believe uh, Pelosi's Catholic, and uh, Saint Peter, he called uh, he called the impenitent, implacable brute beast, and he said they're to be captured and killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's a little bit more terse than what Trump called these rapists and, and uh, international drug runners. Um, and then Paul, of course, called the Cretans uh, evil beasts, lazy gluttons, and they're all liars. Wow. And, uh, you know, it's a figure of speech, yeah. guys. I'm sure he wasn't saying every single person on the Isle of Crete is an evil beast, lazy glutton, and liar. Well, in this day and age, it's, it's, it's how, for instance, when you euphemistically and facetiously talk about red-hot pokers going up people's <laughs> rear ends, it can be suddenly the biggest scandal that ever, that ever hit the earth. So I, I could see how this, this would happen. And of course, also the news media basically had to pretend that there wasn't a question about MS-13 and that he right. was actually talking about these poor, tired, hungry people coming across the Rio Grande, which was not exactly the truth, or not the truth yeah, at all. Yeah, and then you got... And then you got Anna Navarro, and she's like, I cannot believe Donald Trump called the MS-13 animals. It's like, you called Trump an animal <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Right. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it, the duplicity uh, is deep. There's not double standards anymore. There's quadruple standards. And, um, uh, you know, I think, I think the more they do this, I mean, they, Jamie, just like you pointed out, they flat out lied to America. Look what they just called immigrants who are just looking to pick our oranges and mow our grass. He didn't do that. And then they never put any kind of retractions. They don't say that they lie. I think the Associated Press is the site that said, oh, okay, yeah we, uh, yeah, we were wrong. And they what, buried it in some back page in the dark web you know, for their apology. But everybody else, they just delete their tweets and move on. And I hope to God America's listening and watching to this, uh, this crap. It was so bad, Jamie, that Glenn Beck said, you know what? I'm a never-Trumper, but yeah. I'm voting for Trump in 2020 because this is revolting. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, though, even about this, is, is it didn't take like a Woodward and Bernstein Watergate-like investigation to just simply kind of rewind the tape and listen to the question asked before it. It wasn't like you had to really dig that deep to find out the truth about the context of that comment. That's just crazy. Right. Sheriff asked him, so what do you, she asked, so what do you think about the MS-13? <laughs> I think they're animals. You know, it's, it was that simple, man. Right. Exactly. But uh, liberalism, liberalism is a mental disorder. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they put it in their blender, hit foie and pour out fake news. Yeah. Hey, buddy, listen, when, when, you, when you get up here, if we have some time, I want to be able to talk a little bit about maybe uh, getting you on, figuring out a way to put your podcasts on the uh, Radio Free Alma Network. But I think we're going to talk about that as it is. And the other question I had for you is: Do you want me just? To, do you want me to separate the green M and M's from the bowl when you get here? Or you have any, you have, I didn't see any riders yet on your contract. I want to. Bro, bro, I want nothing but green M and M's. Damn it! And uh, Evian. <laughs> 
Evian water, <laughs> okay. and I want a spritzer for my face because i got to stay moisturized. Man. Doug, I will give you the best water you have ever had. <laughs> it's 11,000-year-old water, man. Fossils had sex in it. You'll love it. <laughs> But but that was that's, before that's it was my favorite. Hey, have you ever noticed? Or did you did you know that uh, Evian spelled backwards is naive? <laughs> well, I did notice that, but that's a good call. Hey, dude, I also will have you know that uh, that I'm pulling out all the stops. I'm putting you up at a place actually that has in it a cigar bar, so that you're, there's not going to be any stone unturned mm-hmm. in the Doug Giles visit to St. Louis, brother. But we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna come in like Kanye, man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no doubt about it. All right, Doug Giles, thanks, man. We'll uh, see you at ClashDaily.com, and of course, two weeks from now, we'll see you in uh, in St. Louis as well. And man, this this particular Acorn movie is right now on stream. Acorn and the Firestorm. We'll put a link to the trailer, all that kind of stuff up there in the comments section so you guys can check it out. And, buddy, listen, can't wait for you to be up here. Thanks again for sharing some time with us, and good luck to you, brother. Right on. You guys stay rowdy. Okay, certainly will. That'll be, uh, that'll be fun, man. That he's, he's is going to be fun. And I, lo- I, I really have to pick up the Rules for Radical Christians book. I really want to find out where, I, where he's going with it. I haven't, I've, I've read pretty much most of the other ones, uh, but this one I had, just haven't had time to, time to deal sure. with it. So I, I will uh, look forward to seeing what he has to say about that, because he's pretty plugged into that. I mean, you, you're, you're yeah. plugged in, so you kind of, you know, things that he says, yeah. you kind of like, oh, I get So he's not... No, a he's slouch right. when it no. comes to biblical references no. and stuff like that because you like know picking up what he's writing. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> he can tell me anything. I'm like, you know, but 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 still, I think that's really cool that he's. Yeah, uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to meet him and hang yeah. out with him. Yeah, so. he's he's a good guy, and have him flying in up here from Austin and uh, into St. Louis, and then he'll be. I I I did have to. Uh, uh, get his, he was he was preferring to leave Saturday, so I did have to give his get his flight in uh, roughly around. Um, I think it leaves about six fifty, so he'll have to uh, get to the airport pretty easily from St. Peter's. So if you guys do want to, if you're not going to be at the book signing on Friday and can't be there, and you do want a chance to chat with him, I would probably get to the uh, Palooza, the Throwdown Palooza. Uh, the Warrior and the Wild Man Throwdown Palooza. We don't know Radio who the Freeland. Warrior is. Well, you know, it could be either one of us. He, I, I, there will be times when one hour I'll be the Wild Man, he'll be the Warrior, and then there'll be times when I'll be the Warrior, he'll be the Wild Man. But either way, uh, we're going to have it. And, and But I would suggest that if you did want to kind of talk to him or do whatever to uh, get – it's probably I would probably get there before 4 o'clock or whatever else it happens yeah. because he, cause at, the, at that point he's going to have to shove off to the airport. So also, again – We've got loads of people with food truck ideas. In fact, we have so many ideas that we actually were like... Oh. Overwhelming me. We were just kidding. Uh, no. no, we have so many ideas. So we're going to work. We're whittling down the food trucks, and we are still looking for someone who wants to share some beer with us. If you guys have somebody... I know there are some great breweries out there in St. Charles uh, right now, some great breweries downtown here. Uh, so if you guys feel like getting out there and getting your brew out there. Uh, if you have one of these, uh, if you're one of the, what, what, they, they had one place. They used to do the smoothies. 
and they were was it uh, island smoothies or something like that. Okay, but there's got to be some people out there too who do like the frozen yeah. daiquiri machine that kind of stuff. So we're we're, we're just looking for You're all really covers. going for this alcohol angle right now. Well, not really. Only on that, because I already talked to you guys about having people with the lemonade stands and that kind of stuff. But there will be people who want to have a beer or two. Because, you know, Nine Killer's going to be out there spinning music. Yeah. And we're going to be out there having fun. So you got to imagine that there's got to be some beer out there on a nice, hot summer June day. So we'll do that. And then, of course, um, people who uh, – I was serious about people who want to come out and do the, uh, do the lemonade stands. If your kid really – if you really want to set it up – I'd just go ahead and do it. Do we have to pass it through the health I department? I was just going to say, people have even commented. They're like, oh, here we go. Do you have to do that with the health department? Uh, Come on. Really? Yeah. Wouldn't that be... I bet you you need... Wouldn't I mean, that be antithetical to Radio Free Almond to have to get a <laughs> permit for a kid to sell lemonade at the Warrior and Wild Man Radio Free Almond Throwdown Palooza? I put on these events all the time, and uh, the permits that I end up having to obtain for each and every little thing is ridiculous. We live in that society now, Jamie. Well, Jamie, we live in a society where 30-year-olds are needing to be evicted from their homes. Well, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, huh? Well, to the state Supreme Court, yeah. Who is this kid? They talk to him? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, the parents are Mark and Christina. They wanted their 30-year-old son, Michael, to move out of their New York home. He's 30, okay? And so they're calling it the millennial who wouldn't leave, you know? So they went through a huge legal battle. They tried to evict him, but they, they couldn't get him evicted. Finally, it went Did all they, the way. They didn't know a good locksmith? Uh, they, well, he was fighting. I mean, this was like a court battle. Right, and, but, but, how, but how? here's the thing. How did it become... A court battle to begin with. I mean, if you don't want an adult in your house, and even if that adult is your kid, why can't you just change the locks on the door and don't answer it if they knock and call the police on them for trespassing if they come on the property? I don't understand. Time for Michael Rotondo to move out of his parents' New York home. Mark and Christina Rotundo took their 30-year-old son to court after he ignored multiple written notices to leave. Maybe, that, maybe, that's, maybe that, that, that's the first problem there, is they provided him written notices to leave. <laughs> yeah, they were like, I guess. I mean, because really, in the end, maybe the reason why he's like he is at 30 is because, really want to call because parents are... Uh, because the parents actually... We're asking him permission to let them kick him out, which well, is kind of maybe the start of this and maybe why at 31 he would take something to the Supreme Court. I still can't figure out, though, in the end, how this got to that point. What state is this in? New York. Would also it? tried convincing him to leave voluntarily, but Rotundo argued he needed more time. Six month uh, notice to quit is a reasonable amount of time for someone who has been depending on uh, uh, persons to uh, for support. After, a- <laughs> I mean, that's him talking to the judge. Well, unless it happens to be uh, New York landlord laws, but but now did they own the home? Yeah. Okay, so the parents own the home, and the guy 
wanted to live in the home, but they couldn't kick him out. It'd be different if they had, if the parents owned an apartment and they couldn't kick him out of a separate apartment. At that point, then you have these weird New York landlord rules that kick into effect. They tried to give him $1,100 to find a new place. They gave him advice. Uh, there are jobs available because he said he had a poor work history, so he wouldn't be able to get a jobs. And they strongly suggested he sell things. And one of the quotes was, especially any weapons you may have. Apparently he has weapons as well. It I sounds mean, like is... the parents actually are yes. a mess. It sounds, it sounds like this is, a, this is clearly a, few pa- a couple of parents who were miserable parents and who got to the point now where they ra- they were so miserable that they raised a 30-year-old who not only was able to keep a cache of weapons in his house, but then would refuse to leave. And everything was done by written request yes. or by a suggestion or by giving him money. It sounds like they're dealing with – it sounds like the way Obama dealt with North Korea. It is exactly what we were talking about, that there, unfortunately, this is an example of what is happening in American culture now, because that is the way parents are being taught to handle your children. There was, um, there was uh, a story out, it, it, this is a legitimate story, there was a story out that a, a, a lady did uh, with the Me Too movement that required before you would change your baby's diaper to get consent from the baby. This is, I'm not kidding. This is not like an onion story. They would say, well, you need to get, it's really good to get consent from the baby before you change the diaper. And she was part of this whole Me Too movement. And uh, consent from a baby before you change a diaper to teach them and instill these values that they have to give consent before. So, like, what are you supposed I mean, is the baby supposed to do this like some kind of a head nod? Or this is how radical America, and I'm not saying all of you, because I know Radio Free Almond, you guys are not like this. You do not raise your children like this. But this is how lunacy. Yeah, the story still doesn't make sense because otherwise, there's got to be something more to it. I don't know whether you've looked, because for for a guy who's 30 years old to not to the, not for the ready. parents right i understand that but but the parents can change the locks on their house and throw all of his weapons on the front lawn or into a, a rubbermaid can a garbage can and leave that and everything else out on the front lawn and be done with it. I don't understand how this even made it to to the, to a Supreme Court, for that matter. And maybe that's New York's another highest co- co- court. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 incredible to me how how it even got to that point. But uh, that's maybe uh, another problem. I do remember that back in the day, you know, parents, for instance, were encouraged to. I understand, like when you want a child to do something, that when they ask why, that because I said so is not sometimes always an adequate response because you do want to explain why you don't want them to do this or why you don't want to do that. But I do remember back in the day when you had a situation where everything you asked your kid to do had to be prefaced with with a please. And I'm like, um, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it's it's not like you have to bark orders at them or raise your voice or do whatever. But the idea of having to kind of... uh, coddle a youngster and say, uh, please be quiet, please do this, please do that, is really kind of weird to me. It was that, it was that, um, 
it was that what to expect when you're expecting yes. crowd and those yes. books and yes. people would read the books and I did too but you know back in back when Ethan and Katie were babies but um, you read all these books that are telling you what to do and how to do things and so a lot of times I I think sometimes that's how we got certain generations of 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 people who wound up being very needy maybe even to some degree self absorbed I don't know. But uh, that thing in New York is kind of a crazy story. This is the lady, by the way, that says you need to ask your baby's permission before changing the diaper. Right. Real story. Well, I think, I think, I think the problem is that we have professional organizations like Newsweek and other things listening to them. Like yes. it, used, it used to be the person who would ask, who would suggest that your baby, uh, you ask your baby permission to change their diaper – um, that they would never have anybody of any legitimacy actually listen to them. Like you wouldn't really have anybody like, you know, hey, uh, they'd, be, they'd, be, they'd be treated like lunatics. But instead, they're actually put up on, on Newsweek Magazine's website. It's kind of crazy. All right, folks, we're going to put also uh, at some point, I would encourage you to look at the Marist poll uh, that is, and this is good news, and we'll have to get Austin Peterson on at this point, but uh, good news for Austin Peterson as this uh, Gravis marketing poll uh, done on May 16th showed that Austin Peterson seemingly in a head-to-head matchup with Claire McCaskill has a better chance of beating her than Josh Hawley did. They were the, those were the only two candidates they talked about, so we don't know what the other candidates' numbers happened to be. Margin of error, 3.4 percentage points, but it had Hawley, 50%, McCaskill, 43 and Peterson, 56%, McCaskill, 40 So it's, first of all, horrible news for Claire McCaskill, as it is, and, and that's good news for us, but it's also pretty bad news for a guy like Josh Hawley, but really absolutely great news for people in the grassroots and for people who have constantly taken offense at the fact that we have forces outside of the organic voting process trying to choose who our people are. So thank goodness for truth, justice, and the American way. (laughs) All right, people. Have a good one. Thanks a lot for being with us for Radio Free Allman. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood tree.